Hey gang, Hydroberg here, Cut Above Horror Review. Tonight we've got our red jumpsuits on, and we're waiting for special guest Anya Gore of the Horror More with Anya Gore podcast to arrive with the scissors. It's a collaborative effort tonight as we cover Jordan Peele's Us from 2019. We've got five on it, starting now. Creep on in, on in, on in. Good evening and welcome to A Cut Above Horror Review, a podcast where we review all things horror. I'm your host, Jacqueline, and tonight we'll be discussing Jordan Peele's Us from 2019. But first, let's meet everyone else on the show. First up, I'd like to welcome back our dear, dear friend, Anya, from the Horror and More with Anya Gore podcast. Welcome back, Anya. How you doing? I am so excited to talk about this one. And Jacqueline, you and I are in a good run right now we're talking about some really on par horror movies so yeah. i'm stoked yeah i i feel like i can already predict like where we're each gonna fall on this movie <laughs> agreed um, <laughs> but yeah um if you guys didn't catch it earlier um anya and i got together on her podcast earlier in the summer to talk about rosemary's baby and um i just had so much fun doing that episode with you Anya. it was fantastic talking about our shared favorite film absolutely and i you know since we both kind of agreed that we weren't going to take this one out of rotation i have embraced it completely and now i have no guilt or shame for still saying that it's my favorite of all time same here yep i feel like we gave each other permission we did <laughs> i know i appreciate you thank you what are what are friends for <laughs> exactly all right. And next up, we still got our favorite dudes, our favorite guys, my boys. We got John and Hydraberg. What's up, fellas? Dude bros. Uh, dude they were bros. dude bros, Did I, I say guess. that? <laughs> nah, it's in your favorite dude. Well, hello, Jacqueline. Welcome back. We missed you so much last week. However, it sounds like you're a, a, a little under the weather today. If anything, I'm worse. <laughs> oh, no. So we can go, but I'm trying. Okay. So we'll try yeah. try to hang with yeah, us. If not, we have them too. What your own health and come on to review that great film. I think Phantasm 2 may have contributed to the decline yeah. in my health. <laughs> Jack, we, we gave it the, it is, I don't feel good. We gave it the same exact score. So yeah, yeah. I'm right there with you. It, it, it would have made me ill. And Anya, so gl glad to have you back on, my friend. Um, yeah, our episode that we did most recently, Lamb, is not as good as Rosemary's Baby. It's still a lot of fun being with you. And I'm so glad that you're back with us. Thank you. Yeah, I love chatting with the three of you so much. And you know that Jordan Peele is my absolute favorite. So when you guys asked me this and when Hydroberg was like, are you still up for this? I'm like, um, yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, welcome back on the show, Anya. It's nice to see you again. Um, and I just want to say that I did listen to that Rosemary Baby episode of yours, and it is awesome. I loved hearing both two of my favorite gals in horror chatted up about one of their favorite movies. And the last, like, 25 minutes where you actually guys wrestle with your own conscious of, like, is it okay to enjoy this film still? Should I recommend it to people? Like, is passing it down good? Should, you know, is it okay to buy it? Like, I thought that was super interesting on top of an already interesting conversation. So I really enjoyed that moment. Thanks, Hydroberg. That's so sweet of you. Yeah, it was a good it was a good lesson. 
Yeah, Thank I feel you. like we're kindred spirits in a lot yes. of ways. <laughs> well, and you both made some very, very good points, but you know, it's it, it's a deep discussion. But I I would second what Heidelberg just said. Just go listen to it. I mean, it's oh. it's such a great discussion. So. I felt thank honored. You. I felt honored to be invited to have that discussion with you, Anya. So thank you. Oh, thank you. So much love in the room right now. I know. And we're talking about horror movies, and there's so much love. Isn't that I nice? know. That's that's <laughs> that's horror, that's, that's what it is. Yeah. Um, Anya, for those fools out there who may not be familiar with your podcast, do you want to tell people a little bit about it? Of course. It is called Horror and More with Anya Gore. You can basically stream it everywhere. Um I am a horror podcaster. I'm a horror model, horror creator, and it started off as a little bit more generalized within the more context. These days, it's more within the horror because I can't stop watching horror movies and I just want to talk about them until the end of time. So I have lots of different guests on there and I'm still waiting on you, Hyderberg. Yeah, no. You, you, you. Uh, It'll happen. You fucking slacker, man. Get on it. Well, now it's on your podcast, so pressure's <laughs> on. Hyderberg's on blast. Well, we did have something planned, but it was kind of like, uh, it was a little bit bigger of an idea to tackle, and then that fell through, or like, I got lazy, I guess. <laughs> busy. Yeah. Let's go with busy. Lazy. Yeah, lazy's not a word I would use to describe you. Okay. I appreciate that. And I appreciate you coming <laughs> back on, regardless oh. of whether I'm on your show yet or not. Nope. No problem. You'll be on there one day. And I know when you are, it's going to be a good episode. So I'm not worried. I felt a little guilty when we covered a Rob Zombie film recently and we didn't bring you on. I was like, he brought it in. We brought a really good guest on that filled in for you. So did you hear me sobbing while I was at home listening to it (laughs) into my pillow? (laughs) I think we had a good discussion about Rob's second film. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, it was it was a good episode. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, it was a melange of discussion, I guess. It was. It certainly was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Well, John, I know that the news is scarce these days with um, Hollywood Freaking actors Hollywood. and writers on strike. But yeah, is there any other little tidbit that you may have for us? Well, it was actually a very sad week last week in regards to celebrities passing away. Uh, we lost Bob Barker, the longtime host of The Price is Right at the age of 99. He lived a full life. He was such a wonderful human being from all the stories that I read. So, um, got the closest uh, without going over. Yeah. <laughs> you know, fun fact, Sherry Moon was on The Price is Right. I saw that. I saw that on her Instagram feed. She showed the where she got called down. I mean, I didn't realize how tall Sherry Moon Zombie was. And then, like, she came walking down, but she towered over everybody that was up there. So, oh, I I, she's like model tall. Well, she might have also had heels. She strikes me as a yeah, exactly. Well, she looks taller than Rob. So, Mm. I don't think he's Uh, very tall. I don't think so either. He might be at my height. I think I don't know five eight, five nine. Anyways, uh, speaking of which, um, I'm, I'm, I'm a wrestling fan, a casual wrestling fan. We lost two uh, wrestlers. Uh, wrestling legend Terry Funk passed away at the age of 79. And this does tie in with horror. Wyndham Rotunda, also known as Bray Wyatt and The Fiend, uh, passed away at the age of 36, uh, leaves behind four kids. Um, Tom Savini actually created the mask that he wore to the ring in wrestling. So it made it kind of horror-ish. It was like, it was very cool. I mean, I thought it was, it was a really good look. Uh, just kind of a clown type demon mask, which was cool. So That's sad. Uh, it's very young. 
Yeah, I know. Yeah, that is very young. It's way too young, especially with. Yeah, it, it was from COVID complications, and he ended up having a heart attack. So at the age of thirty-six, man, I mean, being in my forties, I'm like, good God, I mean, crazy mortality, yeah, really right? Cool, uh, outfits too. I saw some of those masks and stuff. It was yeah, a cool look. I just thought it was dope that Tom Savini created it. You know, as much of a fan that he was of wrestling, that he's like, oh, I like this character, so I'm going to create a mask for him. And it was just it. it it was like Chef's Kiss. It looked beautiful. A video of him at Tom Servini's house, like sitting on this weird chair. Oh, like the top the the, chair. It's the, like it's yeah. like a top chair. It's like spins around. You're trying to stay on it, and he was like sitting on it, trying to learn how to do it. <laughs> I, I gotta give props to Hydraberg for this one. Uh, physical media fans, we've covered two of the movies uh, for Coffin Joe. Uh, there's actually six movies get, getting released in a box set November 28th. It's called Inside the Mind of Coffin Joe. Are we excited about this? It looks pretty sweet. It's like all Blu-ray, all up, like remastered, upscaled, and it looks like there's a ton of um, content thrown in there. Each one's got its own slip, like uh, Blu-ray that slips into the main box, and there's a ton of like artwork that comes with each, like poster work. It looks like that comes with each film, and I don't know. Uh, Anya, are you familiar at all with Coffin Joe series? No. Yeah, it's Brazilian from the '60s. I want to say he's like one of the first like. Um, like horror guys coming out of Brazil. Um, I'm absolutely gonna have to check him out. <laughs> and he created like this persona that's pretty interesting called Coffin Joe. Uh, he, is, check it out. he was kind of flamboyant, but I mean, it was just it, it, <laughs> it really intrigued me. I mean, the two movies that we saw actually were enjoyable. I was like, eh, I don't like the black and white stuff, but you know, I threw like that them. out the window. Yeah. I thought I they were I, in my wheelhouse, but I enjoyed uh watching them and the discussions we had. I'm glad that Jacqueline. Uh, got us into that. And I know she's uh, looking forward to that box. And I think she might pick that up or Absolutely. Joey can for Christmas. Maybe Joey, if you're listening, there we go. He listens. Uh, so I had all of us watch the trailer for the deep dark. Uh, what were our thoughts of the deep dark, the trailer Anya? Did you get a chance to watch it? I did. I mean, well, my first thought in initial reaction is it's French, right? Yeah. Yes. Okay, so right off the bat, it's going to be far superior than any Canadian movie that is made about anybody that goes down into the mines. <laughs> Terrible, my bloody Valentine. Oh, um, come on. I hate the original. I'm still, I'm still sticking to my guns on that one. I don't like those movies. Nope. Jack- no, Jack- by the way, is- I, I, for one, I'm shocked. We need to have an episode of more and more with Anya Gore and Jacqueline. A, a Jacqueline Anya Smackdown over my bloody Valentine. I just I was love it, both of them. Was that on the Horrorphoria that we did that one, John? I think. I think. I, yeah, I think we did yeah. that one. Yeah, you did. You mentioned it with Andy. Yeah. <sighs> I mean, but this one, what I liked about it was there was basically no dialogue in it, so you don't really actually get a sense of what's going on. And I liked the little creepy uh, skeletal fingers, but yeah. I have a feeling you're going to see the entire entity and it's going to wreck it. So. It'll be like a CG mess. Yep. It looks interesting. I got the scent with like, um, exorcist vibes or something or something of the, along those lines, like a supernatural vibe. Yeah. I, like for me, I, I am intrigued by the movie. Um, Anya, I'm with you. I, I love that. Like the, the, the skeletal hands that kind of just curl slowly. Mm-hmm. That was, that was excellent. Um, I don't know. I I disagree with you. I I actually enjoyed my bloody Valentine, but it it absolutely gave those vibes because it's all underground in a mind, and they're they're trying to 
and almost like in the trailer itself, they're paying homage to that, but it's a completely different movie. So it's going to be like a more supernatural, I suppose, or, or demonic or whatever. How about you, Jacqueline? Mm, was there a, is it just me or was there a tinge of like descent vibes? Yeah. A little bit, said, yeah. Mm-hmm. A little bit of that, like a little descent, a little My Bloody Valentine. It was quite the melange. So <laughs> that's, you know, looks interesting. I'm I'm down for anything French, to be honest with you. So, Well, that's what got me right away mm-hmm. was the French horror films. I haven't seen one that I didn't, I mean, viscerally <laughs> be affected by, but enjoy. Yeah. I like the idea of like this claustrophobic uh, catacomb that they end up in they fall in there by accident possibly or like you know find it by accident and the idea of like something's awakened down there maybe mm-hmm. um if they pull all that stuff off we could have a really cool um film i'm surprised it's not found footage it looks like the kind of film that would be like a found footage but it yeah looked- I, I i got that kind of vibe you know at the beginning of it but then it you know you see these wide shots and stuff like that so see the bloody know, valentine it- comparison just because it looks like we do get to see what life on top looks like and like there's this town built around the mine or something mm-hmm. we see that aspect um doesn't look like they focus too hard on it though but i don't know it's hard to tell all it's my bloody valentine too electric boogaloo I'm like that. <laughs> made by rob zombie oh. ah, well done got well them all done. in uh that's all i got for news anybody else have anything not really nope not here okay i have one fun fact relating to our movie tonight Ooh. Oh, do you? Uh-oh. You want to share it now? Jordan was asked if he ever c- would consider a sequel to us, and he said he's already created versions of it that are saved on his computer, and that's all wow. he has said about it. No shit. Someone get I, it. Does, does that mean that they're like filmed? No, I don't think so. Oh. I think he oh, has like written... oh, like scripts. Sorry. Yeah, I want or to see ideas, it's like concepts. Yeah. I don't know if he'll ever do it. It it. He doesn't seem to want to have any kind of connection to anything he's already done. Mm-hmm. But just knowing that he has created these secondary stories. That's oh. kind of maddening, though, to think that, like, <laughs> stories exist, but he may never make them. Like, that's frustrating. I'd almost rather if he like he has no if he has no intention of making them, then I'd almost rather he hadn't written them. <laughs> I I slightly disagree. I, I think that it's out there in the ether that he has written something is so interesting to me, even if he doesn't make it. I mean, that that's so intriguing. And mm-hmm. I think out of all the movies that he or the three movies that he has done, this one could could be a successful sequel. Mm-hmm. Well, I'd mean, say it would be undergrounds and stuff like that. Um, right, right, exactly, right. You know, or or take another spin of like being in a different area rather than California or or uh, Central California. So yeah, well, John, like, this... yeah. Sorry, go ahead, Anya. Oh, I was just gonna say, like, with the twenty-eight months later, right? They take a period of time that's gone by, and it's happened in a different part of the world. I personally Correct. would be I could all even over see, like, those scripts instead of being turned into, say, um, you know, screenplays. They could be made into like graphic novels or prequel books or stuff like that, that kind of nature. You know, even mm. that if you wanted to follow through with the story, you can on, in other means um, without, you know, making a film about it necessarily. All right. We're reaching out to Monkey Paw, you and me. We're, we're going to suggest all of this to them. <laughs> How about a, um, yeah, a, a photo shoot with Anya Gore that shows <sighs> what happens throughout uh, us two, Electric Boogaloo? <laughs> There's got to be another dance scene. So, yes, please. The electric actually, works really perfect. 
we've covered a lot of like dance oriented movies on this show like a, a, <laughs> like a disproportionately high number though well climax suspiria black swan mm, this. Black swan, yeah Suspiria's. can we have another one coming up too must dance <clears throat> let's do the time warp again maybe 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 but we'll talk about that later in the meantime john yeah. this movie was yes. your pick would you like to explain to us why you chose us for us Mm-hmm. Um, I think like Anya, it is one of my favorite horror movies of all time. I, I, I would slide it in probably to the top 10 for me. I know she probably has a little higher than I do, but, um, we did have a discussion with James uh, a while ago with Jordan Peele's first movie called get out. And I, every time I watch one of these three movies, I'm just like, Ooh, I found something in this. I love this movie. And what makes a great film? It's rewatchability, and you see something new in it, and you get the same enjoyment uh, that you did the first time you watched it. However, you know the twist, you know the ending, you know this, but you still are enthralled. This movie's, um, I believe, an hour and 56 minutes. So pushing that two-hour mark, it doesn't feel like it. So I picked this. I, I think we need a palate cleanser from last week's movie. Sorry, I had your birth. Uh, Phantasm too, but yeah. Um yeah, this 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 movie, and I'm yeah. glad we got Anya on for it because I know how highly she thinks of it. So that's why I, I had it. not I had not known until tonight that it's her number two favorite movie. So um, I'm glad to know that that's 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 the uh, the the connection there, the closeness. John, yes, does us fuck or suck? Oh, it's a fuck. You can keep going back to over and over again, and you'll find something more exciting about it. Oh, exciting! Yeah. Anya, what say you? Oh, this is the biggest, baddest orgy fuck I've ever been a part of. <laughs> nice. Hyderberg? Uh, This is an odd fuck where you are engaged in the act and both of you are going at it. And for a split second, you look up and you see yourself in the mirror. It's like, <laughs> go fuck yourself. It's a fuck. <laughs> fuck yourself. <laughs> go fuck. Go. Wouldn't that be funny if that was what the sign said? On the mm. house? <laughs> oh, God. That's Instead hilarious. of find yourself? Yeah, it said, go fuck yourself. That's hilarious. How about you, Jacqueline? How do you feel about this movie? I don't have a clever quip about it. I'm just going to say it really fucks. And I'm really glad that you chose it, John, because I had not seen it since it was out in the theaters. Mm-hmm. And um, I found it like challenging. And um, and somehow I just never watched it until again, until now. I'd not I didn't deliberately avoid it, but... I was really, really glad to have like a specific reason to watch it again because I think this is the best kind of fuck, which is the kind that gets better with time and with more encounters. So mm-hmm. it's it's like a it's like an ogre or an onion. It's got layers. Feel it back. Hey, an ogre. Yeah, like Shrek. Like yeah. Shrek. Yeah. Donkey. Have you not, have you not seen Shrek? I feel like I, I should do that being a D and D guy. I have seen Shrek. I just didn't connect them. I was like, <laughs> yeah. and onion also. So I was like, did she say ogre? So in Shrek, he's like, ogres are like yeah. onions. Yeah. They have layers. That Your accent. Terrible. <laughs> Donkey. Donkey. All right. Well, John, you want yes. to hit us with that spoiler warning so we can get into it? Here's your spoiler alert. We're going to be talking about us, presented by Jordan Peele from 2019 in its entirety. If you have not seen this movie, don't be a dumbass. Pause the podcast, go watch it, <laughs> then come back to find out what we thought about it. All right. Well, Hyderberg, do you have a reach around plot summary? I have a reach around for us. Yes, for all of us. All of us. All of us. 
All of us. Gather around, guys. Gather. Are out. you gonna are you gonna say it twice? Is it mirrored? I'm gonna say it like this. You're gonna hurt your voice. <laughs> I won't be doing this anymore. <laughs> but I think I just pooped myself. <laughs> it sounded like it, so did I. I just pooped oh a little. Anyway. So Anya, how have things been? <laughs> <laughs> we're Americans. Mm. Actually, we're not all Americans. Yeah, no, we're good. not. Good point. You guys ready? Mm-hmm. Ready. Okay. Yes. Oh, God. Uh, Johnny, you're making me laugh. <clears throat> the Wilson family is on summer vacation. PTSD from a bizarre altercation. Ruins her plans for weekend salvation. Adelaide can't seem to let get down her guard. A night as a child left her psychologically scarred. Learning to talk was most certainly hard. But Addie built a family and moved on her way. Just happens to be visiting on today of all days. The day the doubles rise up and just slay. Her family is challenged by a storm they can weather. But first they must kill their double ganger tethers. Do it as a family. Do it together. Regardless of which Addie came back all up alone. She's a mother to her children, a defender of home. Jason's love unchanged with his mother a clone. Adelaide's tale showed that she must have a soul. Left red to bleed out of her chest was a hole. Broke her neck out of anger, her thunder she stole. Went back up top to be a mother, her role. The tethers were monsters most of the time. Had a human-like quality difficult to define. Made a statement with murder and by forming a line. Don't worry about us, because we'll just be fine. (laughs) Very good. So good. Another great one from Hyderabad. Absolutely. I love the opening of this, just with the, the, like, we don't see anything yet, and we just get the sound of the beach. And it's like we're going through the motions of like what studio, you know, produced it and can't, and what it's being released under. And I just love that little bit of like atmosphere already creeping in as we start the film. And I just think Jordan's so good at these little things that kind of just bring you into a scene or set you up. He's good at setting up his movies, too. There's always a little something there as far as hints and things as far as foreboding, foreshadowing. I, I I also think that Jordan has is very meticulous when he picks his actors. There's something, you know, like in Daniel Kaluuya in, in Get Out, you know, he, he he doesn't have to say much, but his expressions just portray it like fear or sadness or whatever it is. And like everybody that he picked in this movie, including the child actors, you know, that played the kids and and Winston Duke. Um, and Lupita Nyong'o. I, I'm going to talk very highly about her throughout the movie. Oh it's my god! Film. I mean, she nails this role. I mean, the the dual roles that everybody has. Elizabeth Banks, uh, the guy that played her husband. I I don't know that guy's Elizabeth name. Elizabeth Moss. Oh, that that's it. Elizabeth Moss. I'm sorry. Uh, but yeah, I know who she is. I mean, she was in Handmaid's Tale and she was in Invisible Man. But um. Yeah, she, uh, man, it's just, I, I love the du- dual roles that, that he did with this. I, I don't know if we've ever really seen a horror movie be as successful as Jordan was with this. Because it was just like, like you know, they all had the nuances of their human characters. Not, well, not human characters, but their, their, their above ground characters. Um, man. Talk about the acting. I'm surprised nobody got nominated for an Academy Award for this movie. I'm with you on that one. Lupita. Lupita's, her performance yeah. as both, and even knowing that when they were filming that, 
they had to, cause they weren't filming that with the, themselves. Right. So they were having to film it with just a random person standing in front of them or Jordan Peele would sometimes stand in and do that with them. I mean, but can you imagine the other part, you know, I know. Yeah. And there's but some her, of the best her, scenes are with her having conversation with herself and the dialogue. So good. The acting is so yeah. good. Yeah. Like how do you do that as an actor to like play off a stand in, you know, so convincingly. And there's these distinct differences between the doppelgangers and their, you know, above ground counterparts. Very distinct. There's like, there's no mistaking it. Red and Adam. Well, I think, I think they're special. Was, wasn't Red the only one that spoke though? So that would oh, make yes, it a little know. bit easier for the other people. Um, but I did read that uh, when Lupita was in character as Red, she was only Red. So she spoke like Red. She acted like Red. And apparently she sat there before they would say, you know, action. She yeah. would just sit there and stare off and be red. And apparently people thought it was really creepy, which the way you open your yeah. eyes reminded me of red. I mean, it, that it was so <laughs> jarring the way she did that. But then you get the twist at the ending. And <clears throat> we'll talk about that later. But I mean, like like to me, I I don't know. I guess they overuse nostalgia in horror movies now where they go back to the eighties or nineties and try to bring all that shit back. But like for me, it was like, it, it was so beautifully used where they were on a boardwalk. Right. So they're on a boardwalk in Santa Cruz, but um, I think the mom makes mention of, Hey, they're filming a movie over there. And it happened to be the lost boys, yeah, the which lost was, boy. so, it was so good. I was well, just then, like, go ahead, what's, what's interesting is that the nostalgia actually has a meaning and a purpose in this movie it's not right. just nostalgia as like a gimmick to get like yeah. millennials and gen xers into theater yeah. you know and it's the like yeah, aesthetic that they're showing in this film it's almost like a dark version of it when mm -hmm. we get the boardwalk and we get the because we you can kind of see the little threads of like well her family is not exactly dad's drinking mom's seems you know fed up with dad we get the back of um 80s head Addie's head like we never see her face as a child to begin with it's just from the back the whole time mm -hmm. and there's good reason for that but it's very ominous the way they're setting it up mm -hmm. and it's not like a joyous like hey family on the boardwalk kind of occasion Hyderberg, yeah. what do you think is the reason of that because i made a note of that you only see the father's face once yeah and he's Why? Sort of, like, very like i don't know like he's faking it almost he's so excited to give her this t-shirt but he looks obviously he's intoxicated so I don't mm -hmm. know. I think it's so we don't get attached to Adel Adelaide, like the first one. And we can easily get maybe switched when she goes downstairs. Once she puts that T-shirt on, then she turns around and we see her. And that, I don't know, maybe there's something there. Just He didn't want it to instantly, because it's not shot like a normal scene where you would see an exchange of dad giving a T-shirt to the kid and the look on the kid's face as they're joyous about like receiving the gift that dad won at the carnival. It's not shot in that warm family kind of style that you would expect especially with the 80s aesthetic it's shot very dark um it's like mm -hmm. i i enjoyed it but they, they also gave the parents kind of a if you can call it an arc that that the mom was very caring about adelaide however the dad was just like maybe he lost a job um he did make mention of you know i, I should have went professional you know when he was throwing the balls yeah, to, to get her the shirt um right. but but you know i i you care about the parents. However, you know, they're, they're so blinded to whatever's going on in their relationship. They don't realize that their daughter can't talk after having a traumatic experience. I think, and, I think mom does right away. Uh, 
I think that- well, the, well, even the mom ma- makes mention when they're in the uh, um, the therapist is like, you know, that's not my daughter, <laughs> and it's like, oh, I want my daughter back. She said, yeah. Or, I, don't so, th- I mean, yeah. she doesn't mean it literally. Mm-hmm. She's not like, oh my, this is an imposter pretending. It's just she wants the normal behavior back. But incidentally, did you guys notice um, who's playing the dad? Yeah, the Candyman. Yeah, it's the Candyman. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, what? It took me a few, it took me a few watches. Um, yeah. What's his name? Yaya. Oh, gosh. What's his last name? Uh, Mateen. Oh, the dude. The dude from Yaya Abdul Mateen, the second. Yeah, he's the one who plays. Oh, Candyman. shit. It's such a small role. I would like to see him more, but. Mm-hmm. Damn. Yeah, that was yeah. a candy man. I also like just to Whoa. back up, like, white, yeah. right when we set up the scene, we get like that moment of just die. Um, text on the screen that talks about the u.s having all these tunnel systems that are abandoned and no Mm. longer used and whatever and then i like that we see it says uh many of them have no known purposes at all like and then i like how peel fades back and all the lettering fades except for that one sentence and we Mm. thought and that's highlighted in white and it's like except you know not all of them obviously there's some maybe being used for something and so i kind of just like the way he sets he's very good at setting these scenes up like we get the motions of like the camera with the the news report right after we get this just like pan out of this 80s or pan in a little bit of this like 80s sort of um entertainment system and old tv we see the goonies on the oh the, yeah the three move or four movies right? right stuff which is a great uh film about space travel we see uh what else was over there underground but, people. But is extremely important because that's in reference to like the underground dwellers in this film like that's a definite mm-hmm. reference. Well, it's, it's not just a reference what he's done in every one of his films is he's given us the entire storyline in the opening scene yeah. and we don't mm-hmm. even realize it as we're watching mm-hmm. it so i don't know about you guys but when i went in to see nope i was like all right i'm gonna figure this out immediately and i didn't no <laughs> elm street was in there he's too, too he's too clever for us but uh, you know some of them are just nods to things that he was into like elm street um the man with two brains there was also a tape called uh tuesday nights i don't really want to know what was on that tape <laughs> well the man with two brains is kind of a reference to the doppelgangers and the shared yep. you know true, soul true. the duality, duality. yeah but Hyderberg, i like that you mentioned the tunnel you know, the title card about the tunnels at the beginning, because that was immediately intriguing to me. I've always been sort of fascinated by this idea of like, um, you know, abandoned subway systems. And, uh, you know, there have always been urban legends about people living underground who are albinos and they don't come out. And um, I, I knew somebody in college who used to tell me these stories about shadow people living underground, which of course were not real, but it was creepy nonetheless. And sure. so this idea of like abandoned tunnels and people living below that we don't know anything about, it was very intriguing and eerie. And I think Phil well, did and- a great job of sort of layering these things in his films uh, without being too, you know, like a, he's not being so aggressive with most of the little clues he adds. And there, there are things that you notice more on a second or third watch. Well, and Chud as well, that whole premise of that movie, I don't know if you guys have ever seen it. It's hilarious. Um, but there's, they come up from underground. They're living in these underground yeah, tunnels. Homeless people, like, yeah. being turned into these things and then uprising. Mm-hmm. Uh, similar to, you know, the the tethered. The tethered. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, the- I, I love as meticulous as he is, he is to attention to detail because, like you said, Heidelberg, I mean, you, you get, well, and Anya mentioned it too, that that you have those movies in VHS form, which was Chef's Kiss, but then you get the Hands Across America. Yeah, he he 
he definitely gives you a nod of that as well on the TV. So we see like that's the thing ongoing right now that yeah. um, Adelaide would have been influenced by at that age, mm-hmm. having mm-hmm. seen it on commercial. And I remember that that thing also, that actual movement. Yeah, know. well, so do I. You know, I'm old enough to remember that yeah. seeing those, and it was like, oh, what about the little nod to the Twin Towers? I mean, he did not he did not force that in, but it was just like, oh. Because you see, you see the uh, the skyline where the twin towers, are and you're like, "Damn, your heart sunk a little bit." Yeah, just I think a little bit. Frame's gonna have it in there. Yeah. But I will say, oh, sorry, go ahead, John. No, go ahead, Jacqueline. I'm done. I will say, upon my first viewing of us um, four years ago, I felt like I did not grasp it as easily as I had grasped Get Out. I felt like uh, it was I'm a little bit more complex. Um, a little bit more avant-garde actually and one of the elements that was puzzling to me was this heavy emphasis on the hands across america and i admit that i struggled a little bit with like figuring out like how that was tying in with the themes of the movie like beyond just a surface level um like why is this the thing that's like continually referenced um and i i kind of came to a slightly better realization on this viewing which is that like this is one of the last pop culture or like cultural references that Adelaide is going to have in Mm -hmm. the like above ground world before she is switched out you know and then just like spends you know a lifetime underground and so it's like it makes sense that that would be like a spark for her idea for how to like turn the tables um, start the like, revolution yeah. yeah it was like the last yeah it was the last gleaming like hope or like i idea like you said in her mind so when she does devise a way to get back obviously this is kind of what surfaces it's sort of weird though like couldn't she just go up that escalator and go back home like she was I, stuck yeah but eventually she got cut out of that like she didn't spend her whole time I, th- I thought about that actually after my first watch i was like why wouldn't she just go back but I th- what I think is because you don't ever hear her speak as Adelaide, right? Yeah. You you only hear that her speak once she becomes switched and then as an adult. I think she knew what was going on, and similarly to something I read about the timing of when Adelaide was back and how she's at, you know the the cabin and then they just suddenly that's when they kind of attack mm-hmm. is that the two of them are so interconnected that yeah. they both knew what was happening while it was happening. And I think when she was down there, she got so consumed because everyone made her it. She was their representative. She was yeah. their voice. And I think she used the hands across America as her way of unifying all of them and saying this is how we're going to come up and get them back for what she's done what right and, done. and she decided to stay to save them yeah. i think so right and every time every time a tethered would kill their doppelganger or, or their their human doppelganger they would join the 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 line was their next right? move was just go back and go into the line and find their spot in line right. and they wouldn't kill other ones they only yeah. killed themselves yep yep you know, if they were encountered or like blocked or something yep. like they might kill to get there. But yeah, their end mission was just to get back in place, which was interesting. And there's like, we get that moment with Jeremiah, the 1111, where she, when, when Adelaide's going down into the, the beach, when we see the fun house for the first time, Merlin's um, for, forest. 
I don't know how much. Find yourself. It yeah, says find yourself. Part is very interesting. I don't know if Merlin has like what meaning there is behind that. Maybe to Peel and the story. I don't know. But um, you, is this in the the funhouse? Yeah, just the the outside of the funhouse. It's called Merlin's Forest. So I don't know if there is something maybe uh, dealing with Merlin or the Excalibur story, maybe or something like that that has to do with uh, the forest or something. I don't know if there's any meaning behind that. I never picked up on any. But I do. It didn't occur to me to wonder about that. I did look. I looked up the eleven eleven. The Jeremiah. It's like an, a verse from the King James Bible, I believe. Uh, Therefore, thus saith the Lord: Behold, I will bring evil upon them, which they shall not be able to escape. And though they shall cry unto me, I will not hearken unto them. I just thought there's. I guess it plays a little bit in the themes of very Old Testament. Yeah, the yeah. evil upon them being their doppelgangers. I guess almost it's like. The doppelgangers that come up to kill the people. It's almost like it's almost like your sins and stuff coming up. You have to face yeah. at some point and you face your however. Yeah. But however, at the end, you know, that doesn't make any sense, you know, because. Well, in the doppelgangers <laughs> eyes, they're not evil. They're just coming up. They're uprising and they're it's there's yeah. like a statement to it, too. It's because they're not just going on random killings after they kill their own. Right. Like you said, it's a go, punishment to those who are, are above and taking their lives for granted. Right. Um, speaks on, and like, who live in this like oblivion. Us. Yeah. And the movie being called Us and the United States being, you know, U.S. Like definitely speaking on that as well. I think that, you know. Oh, yeah. It's right. I, I, I took that eleven eleven thing as because every one of his movies has massive social commentary. And when this mm. one came out, you know, the church, religion, there's been so many changes that have been pushed in the U.S. because of religious elements that I took this as his nod to the intricacy that religion has in what's currently happening. Very, very true. Very. Oh, man. I think we lost Jacqueline, huh? Okay. <laughs> yeah, she looks. Yeah. That sucks. Yeah. All right. So, yes, I, I agree with you. Hour yeah. on. You're our host now, John. That's good. Okay. Well, no, no, no. I agree with you. Yeah. I mean, it's just like he—he he just throws so much out there to you. Um, I think you know, ob- there was one very obvious theme in um, Get Out. Like this plays to a lot of things. You know, I mean, and he's throwing so much at you, but the way he does it is so beautifully done. And and Heidelberg, like your poster right now, is showing the rabbits of the movie but they've got scissor ears right yeah, that's interesting i didn't even notice that but yeah i noticed that now and just mm-hmm. the, the use of rabbits like we when we get our opening and the uh you know the transition of the, the switch right with adelaide and then we get this opening to the us with the bunny and the bunny's just like focused we're and we're panning out of it slowly and then we get the word us just on top of the bunny too. Right. The bunny could be us as well, you know. I mean, it could be. There's several layers to the metaphors in this film, as far as social commentary goes. Totally. What I liked about the rabbits was not only are they everywhere, you know, they're on pieces of clothing and yeah. everywhere. But what's really interesting is all of the rabbits at the beginning of the film, before Adelaide has switched, are in the cages. But as soon as they've switched, the rabbits have yeah. become free. Yeah, and free. I, yeah, I love all, that. Some of them were eaten, obviously, too, but. Who's well, supplying the rabbits? There's there's the mechanics of some of this stuff that I wish I knew more about, but that's just my how my brain works. We don't need to, but my, I'm sort of like, well, how are they surviving down here? Why did the government leave them alive instead of flushing? Like, you'd think the government would have just fucking, like, torched this whole place and left it behind and not left, like, 
evidence that there's these guys. Down and you here. guys had, Probably yeah, and, and you guys had brought up, um, you know, the the acting of Lupita Nyong'o because, like, to me, the most effective dialogue that she had throughout the movie was her talking to herself. You know, and when she's when she's read, she's like, you know, when you had warm food to eat, I had to eat raw rabbit. Yeah. And Anya, Anya, I know that that bothers you a lot, but I mean, it was so effective. And when you open presents, you know, it, it was warm and squishy. Mine would cut my fingers yeah. when I tried to play with it. And it was just like, you know, and, and that was also like a nice little clue that red wasn't necessarily who you thought she was. You know, it never gave the impression that that she learned to talk. She learned to, you know acclimate to the human world however her voice it it didn't project of what a normal female voice would sound like she she something happened to her and and she was getting that off in that conversation that she was having with herself yeah she tells a tale of like the princess or whatever basically that like right you know um you you fell in love with the prince and and had a child i had to have a child a daughter that was pure evil. And then I had a child. Yeah. Yeah. A child that I had cut out of me. And it was just like, she had to do it herself down there. This is exactly why this movie needs to be watched multiple times. You know, it's just like, it's so good. It's so good. And that dialogue that, that she has with herself is fantastic. I love the fact. I love the fact that, 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 you know, they, they give the other, tethered no dialogue it's like it's it's primal screams or primal moans you know it's like <laughs> well there's a reason behind that because the adelaide that well, was the, the original yes. yeah so that's yeah. why she's able to and but the other one's special still even though you know she because she came onto the surface and learned how to talk she learned how to be the other adelaide like and that was a, that struggle for her as well sure you know what Which I mean? Why she could there, talk. Was, there was a special connection between the two of them, like you said earlier, Anya. It's not, they're not just regular tethers. They are special. That's why they were drawn to one another more so than any other tether. The other tethers were just mimicking, but you saw that there was like uh, the Adelaide downstairs when we see that flashback finally of how it all plays out. Like she was super drawn into the noise up top and the lightning and thunder. And then like she knew almost as if her own self was approaching, you know, to go up there. And try and make her move now to like she was driven to like make her move. It wasn't like something she plotted out. She just did it. And then, you know, she left the other Adelaide down there to plot over the years, you know, how to strike back. And we see that she's created this like movement though for her people. Um, who are like their people, I don't know, her the other the other doppelgangers are kind of very rudimentary. They so they kill, they listen, and that they don't really have their own like thinking process the way Adelaide does. Like Adelaide's more creative. Um, obviously we see because she was not originally from down there, but even the one that came up top is she's adapted to the above world. You know, she's become a mother, a family of four. Uh, she's a provider. Like, I think she's got moments of weakness that we see, but they're only really brought on by being brought back to the beach. Um, cause she's got like this PTSD sort of about that situation. You know, I wondered about that and I don't know. I don't think she okay so you know the scene we were talking about earlier with the jeremiah guy right and he's standing there with his arms out so Mm -hmm. he without us even quite understanding and knowing he was one of the tethered yeah and he had he had he had had killed his 
other person. And the son saw this and drew it. Mm -hmm. And Adelaide saw it. And I think from that moment on, she knew what was going to be happening. And I think that is why she was extra heightened. I don't think she had weakness from PTSD. I think she knew what was about to happen because she could, she was more connected to this girl than the other ones. And if I had to take any guess about why there would be another us movie, it would be the explanation about why that is Mm -hmm. because all we know about them is that they were sort of created as these test subjects and then left down there. Yeah. But and the only thing I can say is that she definitely had anxiety before that picture was ever revealed. When he, she was asked to go to the beach by her husband, she didn't want to go to the beach. She automatically didn't want to go down to that beach. specifically. True. And then when they pass the Merlin's thing, she looks over at it and she gets unsettled. Then she's unsettled the entire time on the beach. I don't think it's it, unsettled. I think we read it as that when we're first watching it. I think it's her just not wanting to go because she's remembering what she's done. It, it, it's guilt. Yeah. I don't know it, if it, it, you think so. She's like aware of it. Oh, yes. absolutely. Yeah. yeah. You I, can, I, I the the knowing the knowing she gives the look she gives to her son at the end. Mm-hmm. And that he gives back yeah, but to but her. But then she knows, and he was in the room to hear the confession because he was hidden in the closet. Yeah, and- I think it's eaten her alive from the moment she did that. I really I think it's plagued her. I think, and I, I also think I don't know if you guys felt this, but I felt watching her. She doesn't have she like every conversation, anything she says is very deliberate. She isn't an emotional or reactive person, so. Mm-hmm. Whereas her husband's like funny and he just rushes off and does hilarious things. But when she's reacting to him, everything is a little bit tighter and closer to her chest. And I think that's because she isn't one of the humans and she is having to pretend to be. That she gets to the location where she has trauma is like intensifying her like. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Anya, I agree with that 100% because she feels forced to tell her husband why she wants to leave this place. Yeah. You know? yeah in that moment, and, and, great and that shot is beautifully done because she's looking out the window. However, the reflection's just like looking at, at her. And she has, and, and, you know, Winston Duke goes like, well, why did you tell me this before? And then, he you know, so, horribly, by the way. He does. Like he that moment where she's like, I'm scared. But, and he's sort of like, hey, baby. What's going on? I don't want to call him comic relief, but he just, he, he's like that, like, like, you know, uh, my family's happy. We're out here on a vacation. All of a sudden it's like, well, okay, so we got to leave right now. And then they walk out, they get frightened by their son. <laughs> and it's like, there's a family out there. He's like, there's no family out there. There's a family out there. Hey guys. um, Yeah. Get off my property. No, you're not leaving. Yeah, I feel like because we get a good moment in the beginning where we do get introduced to Addie and Gabe's family. And I think they're very genuine, the characters, even the kids. I, 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 I love the chemistry of the family, Heisberg. I thought this was like like, like yeah. very well done. You know, this, you know, this awkward kid and and Jason's Anya, you brought, annoying, but also charming. Uh, you know, he's annoying in the little brother sort of way. Like I love the fact that they called him Jason and he wears a mask. You know, yeah, I, I, totally. I thought that was a little like Zora to me homage. is like one of those. You know, she's a, she's in a she's a teenager where she's just consumed by everything. Everything that she's into outweighs everybody else's concerns, sure. interests. Yeah. But you know, at the end, there's an arc for all these characters. Also, too, like she comes along. It's when they when it's time to be a family, they do come together, and that, I kind of love that because we know at this point, like. 
their mom is not really their real mom. Well, it is their real mom, but it's no, like, it's their real mom. But it they, is their she, real mom. She, she birthed them. But it's also well, she's she's not human, <laughs> right? Exactly. Well, she's not. I the, just she's, she's not the good version of Adelaide. So, but she I sure just. Is. I can't, I just, there was, for me, there was something off the moment she started talking and well, I wasn't shocked to find out that they had switched. It's the way that she reacted to the kids. It's even though, yes, she held them. It wasn't a motherly hold. It but, was like, I'm going to be a protector to you. But there was, for me as a mom, there was a disconnect. That's, and that's what, that's what I was going to ask you, Jacqueline, uh, you you being moms, is that would you like if somebody's attacking you or, or invading your space, would you put them in front of you almost like a uh, like a shield? Which well, was keeping had, them together, though. Yeah. But in like, front of her. It, and, no, and, <laughs> I would have turned around and put my back to them. But they're, so, or, they're to, surrounded to by that. glass, too. And there was glass windows behind. So it's like a tough choice of like, where do you leave your your fucking. But, uh, I, I know. I, I, I get that. But. But I think that was also a foreshadowing of who Aveline really mm-hmm. was. That mm-hmm. that she she had her kids like she she was being a protective mom. However, these kids were right in front of her. So if if these intruders had guns, who's going to get shot her. first? Yeah. To be honest, I never took that as like a fault of hers. I thought she honestly stood. She stepped up to the role of being a protective. I don't. I don't think it's a fault. I think it just. It's a very kind of read the situation. It's a low-key version of her not being human. It's almost like a psychopath where she's acting the motions. She's supposed to be the mom because she birthed them. And this is how a mother theoretically would protect. But I just, the way she spoke was just very intentional and it was a bit slower. And he's also anticipating this. Like there was a knowing, like you mentioned before. Then why, but, but then why did she even go? right it's this well, is the I, thing I, don't think, like, I think it awokened in her like as this was happening it was almost it was it was unfolding at the mm. same time like as these people were coming she was realizing her doubts about being here were coming true and there was a reason for why she felt the way she did she couldn't explain it she said there's a dark cloud above me i don't know what to say but i'm scared i, I don't want to be here anymore right. and then i don't i don't i never took that as like she was lying to her husband and like you don't know the things i've done to to be honest, I felt like her character kind of forgot about what happened as well. And then the other, I don't, the other I don't think so. remembered to the day, you know, she died because she was filled with vengeance. The other one basically got lost in the world up, up top, like blending in. I feel like she sort of, I mean, maybe, maybe she just took it with her the, the entire time that like she knew she didn't belong up there. But she, she was too old to have forgotten that. Plus, it was intentional. She knew what she was doing. But it's played off she... like trauma to her character. Is that traumatic for you her know, though, or, or would that not be traumatic for Red? Off, at least like it's traumatic to her. I thought it was traumatic for Red. I mean, well, like to me, yeah, like, yeah, for the well, conversation, you would think it would be. Yeah, in the conversation that they had, Adeline and Red, that they were having, is that Red was the first one to cry. She she's like explaining everything, and she's like, "I know what you did. You need to admit it." And and you know, Adeline is like, um, "Yes, just don't hurt my children." Yeah, she never it, it, she never denied doing anything. As no. I I really think she re- she knew what she was doing. Right, and there was a scene where it was like like um, uh, Red sent the kids up to play, right, and then the the um, tethered of Jason, you know, he's burnt up and, and he, like mimicking Jason, 
And Adelaide's the one that tells him, though, to go show go show your friend one of your tricks, meaning she knew that like he would put the thing in the door because mm-hmm. that was his little they already built upon that earlier as a. Trope. Yeah, and that's true. But but I mean, even the, the tethered of Jason didn't come off, you know, aggressive towards Jason at all. They He just wanted to like, a play partner like a wild animal. Well, he was, but but he was like very into him. Like he would mimic him, and then we see that at the end where he would mimic Jason and walk back towards the fire and burn up. I had an issue with that. Did you? Yeah, the really, whole that's my favorite scene. Version. Yeah, mine too. <laughs> it makes no sense because there's nothing. There's no thread that ever shows that you can control any of these things by walking backwards and doing the opposite of what no. they're doing. But Every, okay, everything up until that point, you watch the the scene where they first get in the house. Abraham is mimicking Abraham, and he's doing his same motions. He's they mimic making the when same they're in, now. when they're in front of each other, I guess. But I just because they're interested in control. That you I I I think he he was he was walking backwards because he he knew that the other kid would mimic him. He wasn't mm-hmm. controlling him. It was mm-hmm. a mimic thing. You know, it was a weird yeah. moment. Where it was like he realized something all of a sudden and walked backwards. And the way it's shot just felt out of place to me. That was one of the I, moments. I, I know what you mean. The first time I watched that, I didn't like it either. But then the more I watched it and the more times you actually watch all of the doppelgangers are trying to mimic their doppelgangers on Earth. All yeah, of them. The moment comes to kill them. They're still taking that chance. They're still killing them. You know what I mean? Right. But it was it was Jason Human that got he knew that he would mimic him based on previous experience they had. And he needed to get him away from his mother. So he was like, this is the one thing I can do right now. And he tried it and it did seemingly work until you realize it's actually a complete setup by Red, which is incredible. Yeah, The other the other kid just didn't have any like regard for his own life. The way no, well, look, look, no, that's that, that's true. But um, Jason did realize that the gas was like going under the car. Oh, I know he read the situation because the other guy yeah. was under the car. Like that was the bump they heard. He was like he spiked their gas tank and he was gonna trap them right. in it, blow it up. And I, can't I wait, will say, wait, I will say one of, thing to come in handy and like light a fire. I know. I will say one of the things that I did notice a lot was that the doppelgangers, with the exception of Red were very limited on their brain capacity. Yeah, they are. So it wasn't surprising then that he would mimic him and walk backwards into a fire because they they were like kind of animals, right? They didn't think and and act the same way humans did. So mm-hmm. the the more I've watched that scene, the more I have that's made it's my favorite scene because that entire scene encompasses everything. It shows you how interesting Red is, how much thought process she put into this, how she knew that the only way she was going to get Adelaide down there was by going after her children because she needed Adelaide down there. She preemptively set all of that up and put her own child's life in danger and on the line because that's how intense her vengeance was. It was a perfect scene. Yeah, and to echo on that, I mean, it was such a beautiful monologue of talking about, you know, everything when when Adeline went down there and Red was like cutting things up and her back to her, you know, <laughs> like I said, George feels so, he is so meticulous about the way he shoots things, you know, the back to her while she's cutting up the, 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 you know, ha- hands across America thing and just telling her, well, you know, this is what we've done. i never thought I would dance until you started dancing. And, you know, even the, the psychologist says, let her draw, let her, let her 
write something out, let her dance to express, you know, the trauma that she's gone through. And, oh, God, I mean. <laughs> I like the way it's shot. I think it's like we're we're focused on red and then around her face is blurred. And then we get like superimposed and behind her is yeah. like with the she's got the uh, fire poker in her hand, like ready to strike at any moment. I do but think she holds back. Moment. She holds back. I mean, in that way, she because she could have very easily, as soon as Red started talking, she could have just like whacked her in the head, and then all of a sudden you get that you know the chase around. Um, the way Red's dancing around was so beautifully shot, though. Well, yeah, the way it's the way it's shot, like as if it's a dance scene, is yeah. really good. And the way that the placement of music, uh, yeah. like like in these films with Jordan Peele, the placement of music is re- really perfect because. Five on it's been a, a, a theme throughout the film. Mm-hmm. It was a One theme of my favorites. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I want to know though, what did you guys think she was cutting the first time you watched it? I knew what she was cutting because you could see you, like oh, I didn't. I thought it was her son. No, I didn't. I didn't think it was legit. Be... I thought she was like cutting his the head off and... on the on the chalkboard. So I just assumed she was going to be cutting. Oh, so you know, I didn't notice that at first. <laughs> I just I, I thought I it was uh, the first time I saw it. I I did know. Um, the second it time, because like I kind of, I, I kind of forgot about it, and then I, I thought she was cutting paper mache. Sound effect that I remember hearing all the time during arts and crafts in school. You know what I mean? It was like some shears on some construction paper, and you could right. see. Like, well, I love the shot of like her face, where it was like half of her face, and then you see outline in the back in the red, and it was just like you know the way they kept uh, changing the angle it of like it, where it was like. Weird. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was so beautifully shot. Oh, I do think God. that this scene in particular, and the scene earlier on in the house, like you said, where where Red speaks to Adelaide, they're yeah, they're exposition dumps. Now that that, that takes a bad connotation sometimes towards that word. I don't necessarily think that they're done bad, but they are expedition dumps. Mm-hmm. And but Jordan Peele does them elegantly; like they're really well done. They service the plot and in a good way and hearing these characters like kind of unload a little bit on each other. It makes sense for the role or for the, the scene, you know, because the Adelaide up top, she hasn't been downstairs. So she doesn't know exactly what's going on since she did the switch. And then we can right. just catch up. So like, I don't really know a better way to e- even explain what's going on downstairs without doing, you know, a, a flashback type expedition dump. I think they're done really well though. That's my only, uh, it's a, it's a small critique, but it's not really a critique because I think, Peel does a really good expedition dump where a lot of filmmakers would flub that and it would seem heavy handed where it doesn't in this film. The story right. of the princess is interesting. I like that the expedition dump that they're doing downstairs when she's cutting. Yeah, definitely. In the first watch, you were so distracted by the sound of the scissors and what she's cutting that you can't even take all of everything in that she's saying. And that's why the reveal becomes even more important when you actually see the flashback, because you could have missed so much of what she was saying while she was doing the cutting. And that I think is what makes him so good about his writing, because there's a lot in this movie where you think it's going to go one way and it completely goes another you know, I thought this was going to be a supernatural horror when you see the the twin turn around in the House of Mirrors and stuff. Like, yeah, right. Well, let me ask you both, uh, Anya and Heidelberg. Did you figure out that Adeline was actually one of the tethered before on that scene, like towards the end? No, I didn't. Um, I mean, I had my suspicions because of the setup with the whole of mirrors kind of deal, like. Obviously, something was like the way they show the back of the head and you never really see the reveal. And then you see this look of terror on Adelaide's face. And then we just 
fast forward to like, oh, 15 minutes went by and we don't know what happened to you while you were down there. Like, obviously, I don't know. Well, once I, once doppelgangers start showing up up top, you can kind of connect the dots like, all right, there's doppelgangers of people. And we saw two Adelaides downstairs. So I didn't Anya, know that. Yeah. And Anya, I don't know if you agree with me, but like like when you when you see that it was another like a doppelganger that she did get away. However, this this uh, other little girl kind of connected to Adelaide and it was like trying to get her her uh, her life or whatever. But I think the switch good. wasn't necessarily given away, though, because you could have just thought like, well, this doppelganger one time got a look at the up top, dang, uh, you know, Adelaide, and then has always since this day tried to get back up top. You know what I mean? Like it was a and moment of she realized what was going on up at stake up top. And like she's always driven now since this day to yeah. make people come above. And you right. can still think like that's the same Adelaide that we saw before, but. Well, and and that's what I thought because it's like the way Jordan shot it is like like you saw her eyes get really big and then cut to black, you know, in yeah. the present time. So and it's really good, but then there's the signs of trauma too. So it's like, well, maybe she was just traumatized by something she saw because we do see the sure. look of terror on her face. So she had to. That's like, what I thought. I thought she just witnessed something. Yeah, like my brain was going to like yeah. peanut butter solution sort of thing. Yeah, when yeah. They yeah. see something that scares them and the they Canadian can't talk. Right there. Yeah. Peanut butter well I remember that. That film scared me when I was young. Me too. Exactly. And it was all the illusion of like the fact that you never saw what he saw. That's what scared me the most. Yes, absolutely. That I didn't know what he saw, but it was I, my mind made up what I thought he saw. And I was just like, well, that's why that scene is so integral to this movie, because you when she walks in and you see her twin turn around, you think your brain is like, oh, my God, is there a twin? Is this supernatural? Like, you don't know. And then you're mm -hmm. left to have to try to figure it out on your own. Mm -hmm. And and I remember when I was first watching, it, I was like, oh, yeah, that's why Adelaide is acting the way that she is. But then the more I've watched it, I, I don't think it's from PTSD. I think it's because she knew what she had done and she's just not human and it's, she's off. Well, <laughs> I, I, don't feel like, I don't know. It's it's an interesting. Yeah, it's it's you can definitely have a, a discussion on that for sure. Yeah, that's why this movie is so good. I mean, it just it shows you those things, you know, little pop snaps here. And you're like, yeah, OK, so this I is only my second time watching this film. Oh, wait till you've watched it for your 30th. You're going to see stuff that, yeah, it'll it'll change you. Yeah, I've seen it, like, if I had to guess, probably between. I do really like times. the golden scissors and, like, it's like a metaphor or a tool to cut themselves free of their tethers. Like, I like that kind of look of it. Um, And through violence. Uh, I, I, I like love it. I love the way that Red gave those same shackles to Adeline that you find out at the end of the movie were used where yeah. it was so beautifully done. Yeah. But I thought the tethering, the cutting of the tethering with scissors was much like cutting like an umbilical cord almost. Well, uh, rebirth is another, I guess, metaphor or a theme mm -hmm. throughout this. And that's like right? a natural tether since birth. As of well, birth. that's exactly yeah. it, right? You're connected until you're, until that's broken. And I, I guess ro uh, rabbits are also, a metaphor for rebirth. I I don't yeah. know why, but that's something they that they're a lot. I guess. I guess that's why. Yeah. And then the tethered were being reborn when they were coming up. So. Uh, yeah, I could definitely. I, there's definitely a lot to pick apart. I, I think the mm. themes at play are interesting. They're surface level and deep at the same time, so you can kind of get both. You can enjoy this film on a lot of different levels, much like most of his films. Right. Um, you can enjoy it as just like a first watch, and then there's something to dig into. 
and you'll pick up things on the second watch. And I don't want to pick up everything on the first watch anyway. You really don't want a film that you can gather everything from one one go. Which That's is true. why this is such a brilliant film, because every time you watch it, you do pick up on those things and you're like, I still love this movie. Uh, yeah. I just made a note about another awkward thing with Adelaide that I wanted to just touch upon because it took oh, yeah. me a, a long time before I completely understood this part of it. So the scene where Adelaide and Kitty are first at the beach and they're talking, it's incredibly awkward. And before you kind of know anything, Kitty is talking to Adelaide and Adelaide's like, I can't. And yeah, just I'm goes like this. Come. She's well, but that's what she's kind of indicating. And so you're watching this going, oh, well, they must not know each other. But then, no, you find out they've been doing this trip for years. They've known each other for years. She got Botox and she was like, oh, yeah, you look different. So there is a lot of history between the two of them. And yeah. here she is saying she's not a good communicator, but you know, that's not the truth. So again, it just adds another element of this falseness to this person that is so removed from human society. See, that's but why I forget that she was thrown awkward. off by being in the location because she does have. I don't think so. With these people, no, really I don't think so. And the fact that she's so close, it's on her mind. She goes they, to this. She does this every year, though. They go but, to the but, same place every year. I don't think she yeah, does. Beach Anya, I well, hold on, Hydroberg. I agree with Anya because <laughs> Adelaide I've actually says, "No, no." Adelaide actually says, "Yeah, you look the same as you did last year." Last year. Yeah, they do. This is an annual trip that they do. Yeah. They will come down to this beach because she seems very like. They know the beach inside and out, though. That's not the first time the family's been well, there either. There. This is her family house. I, like there's she has family memories at this house. So then why is she so awkward? Know, it's she because she's like, not human. Like right. She is human. Right. Though. I agree. No, they're, they're not. No. no, I think they were created. They're clones. Mm. No, they're not exactly clones. They're, they're like, like I mean, they're they're tethered to the ones that are up top. But they're still, but they were still manufactured synthetically. They're not but humans. It doesn't make so that's the argument to be had, right? Are they human or not? Because they're cloned, and do they have souls? Believably not. But we get to see that our Adelaide might have a soul. I don't think she does. She fights to survive at the end. <laughs> she has a connection to her family. I, I, I don't. I think. I think she's putting it on because she's a psychopath. Yeah. She's also special. She's one sociopath. Of the- she she could act like she's human or like act like she's a, a part and of this the society. Breasts had souls. You know what I mean? And that's the whole thing. Is like, well, do they have a right to come up top and and stake their claim? They're, they're this this form this line that they're forming hands across America. It's a statement. And do these people like could like it's almost like they're learning deprived, right? What if you took these people in and you fucking taught them their ways of up top and they could obviously learn just like Adelaide did, right? Maybe. I don't know. So there's a... There's well, a, I mean, do they have a right to come up? Of course. But it's not it, It's not their doppelgangers that are hurting them. I feel like they represent the you know the lesser thans in society. Or even even the rich people have doppelgangers, which mm-hmm. I found interesting. So even whoever created this experiment wants to control the rich as well. Um, like it wasn't, it was just, it wasn't just about class, but it was at the same time. And it wasn't just about race. Like you could, you mm-hmm. could get into this. It could be a theory about race. It could be a theory just about uh, um, us as a whole, as a society, especially as Americans. I, I, I didn't get the race thing. Like for me, it was just more of a, uh, maybe I, a think there's some of it there. I might not pick up on it as much because I'm not African-American, but I think you could, there's an argument to be made that there's an argument for about race. Sure. No, no, no. And you absolutely can make that argument. But I mean, it, it like, like seemed to me, even with 
with the family that we were following and the rich family, it was just almost like if you lived in a neighborhood of 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 people, it was like, oh, you know, Joe's got a bigger boat than I got, so yeah, I've got to go that. out and get a boat. You know, it's almost like a like a dick measuring contest. Yeah, they I had guess. that, but at the same time, down below, it's like they're all equals, right? Because there's a doppelganger for everybody. But that, but that, yeah, that was my point. It was just like like you see Adelaide, you know, just walking through of of like mimicking these people of the eating a hot dog at a fair or, or somebody playing a, a, a fair game. Mm-hmm. Like, and then we see, you know, race, race yeah. didn't really, it wasn't, I, I guess it wasn't as apparent as it was in get out. I mean, this I'm one just, just saying, seemed, like, I didn't, I didn't pick it up either as much, but I'm not saying that there's not a thread there to pull. Uh, there could be, to sure. And I do know the the one race related thing with this movie was that um, Jordan Peele has said all of his leading actors will be black. Yeah, and which in, I, makes sense. Yeah, it should be actors like yeah. as, like Elizabeth Moss, who was excellent in this. That exactly. that that moment that she has in, in as her double oh. in front of the mirror, where she the range of emotions he goes yeah. through. It's yeah, incredible acting. And she she's is. Like, phenomenal but it just even the whole scene about you know call the police okay playing fuck the police and yeah. then like oh yeah the music <laughs> yeah, comes yeah, out yeah. the music yeah, in this movie <laughs> was so on point the anthem that so the composer actually have something interesting about the composer but um he made it's called anthem right which is another representation of the u.s mm-hmm. the u.s anthem us the anthem us. Um, yeah, it was made up of nonsense language. Was it really? Yeah. So he also did the score for Get Out. And it was, I believe, Swahili was the original um, language that they used in like the opening scene. But this one, he just made it up. Just made it up. Oh, wow. So you're talking about you're talking about the theme that was just kind of like the almost like a. Huh? Yeah, that that. So it was like nonsense. <laughs> yeah, but if you if you listen to it, it actually sounds like they're s- speaking some kind of language, but they're not. It it really does actually. Mm-hmm. You know, it's very very eerie. It, it's very reminiscent of um, you know, like a Exorcist or Halloween or something like that. It's got that kind of like synth kind of score to it. Um, I agree. But I, I did like uh, five on it. Um, the way it oh, was the, just like, the remix? The way, yeah, the way they slowed it down, you know, Andy and I, like on our previous podcast, when we talked about this, it was like, you know, <laughs> that was the theme right there, you know, or, or, or a part of the, uh, trailer, I guess. And then Absolutely. I took, oh my God, it was so good. So what did you think of the revelation that, um, Adeline was actually the tethered? the villain. <laughs> yeah. Um I I loved I loved that ending. Mm-hmm. I thought it it couldn't have really ended any other way unfortunately, you know. I it all needed to kind of come to a head like it was going to and I I think the moment that human Adelaide made the decision to step into that house of mirrors or whatever it was was mm-hmm. her death. Like that she was never going to survive. It's right. weird though because I feel like so like the Adelaide that we get at the end to call her a villain, I, it's tough to say that because she was a villain in the action she took where she switched with that young Adelaide. Okay, like yeah. she's tethered and she switched. That was the villainous thing she did. But then she made a life out of that, and then since then she's not like a bad person. Well, like, I mean, maybe, she like she, she never went down and saved any of these people. She, she knew where they were. 
she she basically stopped an entire race of these quote unquote people from being able to survive or come out. You know, I don't think that was on her. Like she was just a young kid trying to escape. She escaped. I don't think they were looking to her as a as a messiah at that time. I think they only started looking at what's her name as a messiah because of how different. No, I I agree with that. But she had no reason to not tell anybody aside from the fact that she saw an opportunity she well, took it, and she kept up, quiet. Speak. He couldn't speak. No, you're right. But tethered, when she, she but speak. when she learned how to speak again, she she had the know how and the knowledge of what was happening down there because she was one of them. I think like just like trauma to someone, it's it's like the reverse of trauma. It's because she comes from something that is traumatic, but it's not necessarily like done to her. I don't know. It's weird. I think she right. might you know, yeah, but Nike, she whole, forgot about those issues as a child. She learned to get past it. She learned to dance again and speak. But she's been weird, like you said, like almost like an introvert, but a weird one, you know, and like even weirder because she's a little off. She's not quite human. But the uh-huh. way Jordan set it up, I mean, it was just like 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 the even the the red of original, like the, the little girl, the way they set her up was she was evil. She wanted to get out of there. She wanted like like when. I know what's going on here. I want to go out and experience this. You know, it, it was like, it was like, she that's was. Evil. That's like saying a Holocaust survivor wants to escape the, you know, no, th- like, but, but evil. Again, I think that's a little harsh. I mean, a Holocaust what I'm saying is that like both characters are, there's, you can see both of them, passion yeah. in both of them. Uh, you yeah. know, I, I, I understand that, but it is a villain. I think that's great writing and the, the original Adeline or yeah, the original one that went down there and it was like, she became the savior is like, Hey, let's get out of here. We don't have to be. It's, it's, it's a here. role reversal. There's this duality to mm-hmm. it that I don't even know whether they're aware of it at the time of how powerful. Okay. And that's fair. That's fair. I but mean, I will like, say though, that red or non human, whatever Adelaide, mm-hmm. She she knew how to get up and get out, but she she never did. did. And that's why that's how her and Adelaide met was because she she says they were were driven together. They were totally. Mm -hmm. But again, that just adds to another layer of she had the 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 capacity to get people out of there, but she never did. Then she saw an opportunity for herself and took it. True. And she's a child. I feel like she was kind of broken out of the rhythm. Everybody else was in a weird rhythm, right? And like, I she- mean, I know, and they're also doppelgangers. And yeah. if if the if the metaphor of cage test subjects is anything, they're all going to be living in a constant state of PTSD. And it's and almost fear. like, a, yeah, like a metaphor for us too as a society. That like, when one of us maybe feels awakened to something that like we feel is being pushed on us as society as like a fakeness or something like that to make us. I think- guess. And then, then nobody it- wants to listen to you when you do try to speak on half of it i don't know i'm just saying i mean it's 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 i feel like it's hard though based on all of those things and knowing the fact that adelaide got to live this incredible life knowing there was another version of her down there and she doesn't care she doesn't have any emotion to it at all she just continues on with her life it's really difficult to not think of her as the villain in the end even though she isn't seemingly the villain it's weird to think of the villainous one, the one that says, like, you didn't take me with you. You left me down here. And meanwhile, that was the one that was not meant to be down there ever. Ever. The fact that yeah. she was left down there and she feels betrayed by the other one. It's like she doesn't necessarily. Yeah, the other one, the red is like sort of compassionate to the other Adelaide um, more so. Like, mm-hmm. I, we didn't have to switch places. Like, you, I could have helped you just leave. 
Well, mm-hmm. and she made a really good point. Never, she could have. You knocked me out <laughs> and dragged me down there and you forced me into this. And now I'm, you know, flashing back. So I get that. Do you do you so think, think the Adelaide? Yeah. Do you think the Adelaide uh, that is the doppelganger that came up as a kid uh, when she saw that dead body, she realized what was going on? Jeremiah. Yeah. The yeah, Jeremiah. Yeah, the guy. Jeremiah. Maybe. Yeah. It was a I, I there I wondered about that because I think you she know, like, recognized him from her childhood. She, I but I don't think the doppelganger knew that. I think I think no, it was yeah. yeah. Well, she didn't see the doppelganger. She saw the dead one, the yeah. real one. Well, no, yeah. Yeah, but you're claiming her as the doppelganger. But when she came out of the funhouse, she would have seen the Jeremiah guy. She might have still. And well, no, as as the Jeremiah. original. <laughs> this is such a confusing movie. As she I was know. going down to the funhouse. Dropped yeah. the candy apple. That's when she went in. She saw the Jeremiah guy. However, the doppelganger saw somebody holding something up downstairs. Is oh, oh no, he had eleven eleven written on his head. Eleven eleven. I don't know. I think that's for us, the audience, more so to just notice that, like, oh, the doppelganger, the, the dude's dead with the sign, and then we see later on when um, Jason walks up to the figure whose arms are extended on the beach, which is very ominous at that moment. That that's the doppelganger. J- Jason realized it first. Yeah, totally. So, um, man, God, you know what I you? found out? Jordan Peele was the voice um, in that funhouse. Was he really? Yeah, he was the narrator. Oh. I like that when she goes back like, in as an adult, she just fucking like destroys that owl. She's yes. like, "Fuck you, owl!" <laughs> that owl like scared the shit out of her as a kid. See, but that's the thing. Then she does remember. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. Well, at that point, I feel like all her memories of, are there. Like, they've been jogged. But I just don't think that they were... I think getting back to this beach and having this moment, like, there was something that kind of triggered it. I think they yeah. were su- suppressed, just like a trauma, like a child would do, any, and any child would do. Even though she came from, like, an evil me. I don't think she's been evil the whole time, is what I'm thinking. Like, right. granted, she's the evil version of came right. but She made herself into almost a good version as best as she could. She had a family, and she takes care of her kids. Like you said, she's a little off as a mother, but I think when when push comes to shove, she still asserted herself when it came time to against her husband and like um, and just spoke on her own behalf and became her own woman and like took care of her, her of her tribe. She took care of her kids. Her husband is not the dominating force in this movie. She's the dominating force. Both Adelaide and Red are the true like um, antagonists and protagonists. The other people are just sort of. They fall in the background, but they're awesome. I think the doppelgangers are great. The family doppelgangers are so cool. They're so well achieved. The kid with the mask on, the fact that the kid in oh. real life likes to wear masks. It's interesting. The woman, the the little girl, she's really good at running. I love how her mom realizes that at one point and tells her to put her shoes on because she might have to send her running. And she knows, like, I know you're good at running. I'm going to say you have to run for your life. And they play into that. And then the other doppelganger of her, Umbri, I think, it, or Umbre. Is like really agile and fast also, just as fast. So they're like very similar in nature. And I do like the little interactions of them taking out their own devil gangers. Like I like how the husband takes care of his eventually with the boat and the the engine. There was a beautiful shot when they, when Adeline actually goes downstairs and looking for her son, Jason. And Jason's so hesitant, you know, she puts her hand up. It's all bloody. And he's like, uh, no, I just saw what you just, just did. And he's also he's like, confused, like, which one are you? I've seen yeah. two of you now, so I don't know. 
And then, so I, one of the things I really love about this film is the home invasion element of it. Cause it's mostly yeah. a home invasion movie and it does yeah. it really well, but then it mixes in a little bit, of this monster vibe too. Um, which is cool. There's a blend of or melange, if you will, of themes <laughs> play as far as like subgenres. Like there's a it's mostly a home invasion movie, but there's more going on too. Um, and I think Peel just kind of straddles that line really well. He does it in all his films, honestly. Yes. Oh well. That well, one scene though. Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just gonna say that one scene where they're like, um, there's somebody in our driveway and you go out and you all you see are these shadows. Yeah. They're not talking, you can see how large the man is. And then she does a little and then the sun just gets down on all fours and yeah. starts <laughs> crawling off. I was just like, Nope, no, no. Notice no. Like they don't move until they're in like the husband kind of provoked them. Like they might have been able to buy more time for the police to get there because I get the idea That's of true. He comes out yeah. with the with the big bat and puts on the big mean voice. The, he gives the go ahead. <laughs> like, true. all right, go. And I like the click that the she does. Like, though. Yeah, it was like Yeah. And then like the the one kid Jason uh, spreads out his doppelganger. And, and then the, they just start walking towards the house. I mean, that scene, if you get scared of home invasions, that is a terrifying <laughs> I think they scene. achieve it really well. I That's agree. right for me Same. in that scene where the mother's grabbing her kids. I I didn't read it in a negative at all. I can well, see that. I I love the the terror of the family. However, this family was not being aggressive. They were all holding hands. You know, you know, yeah. the theme of the movie. I mean, they they're had, all they're all the holding hands just the four the of them. Like, they broke the windows. They started coming in aggressively. No, 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 no. But I'm saying at the beginning of oh, it, yeah. it was like they. they they didn't attack until um, um, Winston Duke came out with his bat. And it was just like, okay, this is when it's getting aggressive. And it, I don't know. <laughs> Jordan Peele just filmed this perfectly. So Oh, so perfectly. I will say that that one scene where the four of them are just standing there, to, I really thought was a really beautiful homage to the strangers. Because you see yeah. this beautiful, it's a similar thing. I think there's three of them. They're all wearing the masks and they're standing on the streetlight just standing mm -hmm. outside of the house. Mm -hmm. And the idea of that happening is just so horrifying. It's very scary. Yeah. Could be a an homage to the last house on the left. Oh God! Well, yeah. oh, that's oh, a horrible film. Oh, I get that, but that, it does have these. Uh, it's a, it when it comes to home invasion films, it's one of those top home invasion films that people talk about. Hey, Heidelberg, real quick, I got to go to the bathroom really all bad. Right, okay, Do you wanna, uh, okay. All right, I'm gonna pause this right here. All right, keep. Okay. <laughs> Are you killing um, your audio? I wanted to hear you pee. <laughs> you know what I found out because obviously you can tell there's so many movies that he uh, he had as inspiration but i found out that he there's um an episode uh let me just find it here the twilight zone the original mm -hmm. called um mirror image that inspired this and i haven't seen that have you seen it uh i don't know i've, I've seen a lot of twilight zone without realizing what they're called because i saw them when i was little i saw a lot of them uh, every, every new year's eve they would do like a twilight zone marathon on like um the channel 11 and it amazing would do that and then there was some some um they would also do the honeymooners on certain channels and so i would always watch the twilight zone one but i don't know the the titles as far as like exactly which ones are which but i've seen a bunch so like once it comes on it'll probably jog my memory i might have seen it yeah all i know about it is it's got something to do with like a doppelganger well yeah i his guess play on those 
a lot of his themes are actually all his movies are very influenced by the Twilight Zone. Like they could all be like a Twilight Zone slash like Black Mirror type of episode or something like you take Get Out, which is like mind control and, and you know, putting a portion of a brain into somebody else's body um, and, you know, like chasing immortality and those sort of themes. And then this movie dealing with like underground dweller doppelgangers, that's interesting as fuck. And then you take Nope, which is like aliens, but it's like we're going to kind of turn aliens on their on their ear a little bit and do like a sentient weird alien that is the spaceship. And so you connect with it differently. I loved that. He had hired a, a um, jellyfish specialist to refine the alien. Yeah, that's nope. the vibes I got the most from that film where that is a jellyfish. Yeah, absolutely. Especially when it like transforms. It's so weird. I know. I really liked... Um... Can you still hear Hyderberg? Yes. Oh, okay. I wasn't sure. You're completely out of frame. So I was like, I don't know who's hearing me. Um, I really like how into and, and the, the craft that these actors are, because Lupita, cre- they created that dialect because it's based off of um, a disorder. And so she worked with vocal coaches and doctors and to refine the very specific sound that she created. I I just I low whisper like the horse sort of voice whisper. Yeah, so it's actually called called spasmatic dysmorphia, which it creates spasms in your throat muscles, Mm -hmm. and so because of the spasms, it creates a vocal distortion. So that's why they go like this because it's a spasm. Yeah, what are you talking about? (laughs) I thought it was like an old man thing, like back in my day. I know. You know, no, but, uh, she she worked with a vocal coach and a therapist and a doctor to s- refine it. Like, and then she did that. How many takes? Like, yeah, that must have just she did a lot filter to create I, these characters. They're not just all what she took off the page. To, for I people. wouldn't think that Lupita Nyong'o would actually take a lot of takes. I think she, they, they, you know, like yeah. you said at the beginning of the uh, episode, Anya, is that she stayed in character. So, yeah, it's true. Yeah, yeah it might, she might have gotten that one take for all we know. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> yeah, the, the all right. thing in particular just kind of sticks with me, too, the way she sounds. Um, like she's forcing these words out and that they hurt almost to say. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's just an like, interesting point. I could see that being um, a mirror of sort of a people with disability who have uh, trouble speaking sometimes or like this disability in particular, you said. Um, I think well, we I, found out that we get that she got her voice box crushed. That's why she <laughs> talks like that. There's a moment. No, she in the movie. No. Yeah. Well, it seemed yeah, like it. She dies. No, I I was under the. Oh, I didn't realize she got her voice box crushed. I was just under the impression that they didn't know how to talk because they weren't bred to talk. And then when she was down there as a child, oh, she well. like you were saying, she acclimated to what they were doing. So she had yeah. to kind of create a voice, and she came down there having already had speech. And so she had to kind of hang on to whatever she could when they weren't oh, but John, actually you meant speaking. Like when the doppelganger put... Yeah, like 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 choked her out. It, yeah. Almost like crushed her voice box or something Maybe. like that, which yeah. is why and she talked she like her up, And then when she wakes up, we don't ever actually see her like vocalizing. So... No, <laughs> not at all. I mean, I, I... Like her vocal cords... I don't, just, I don't like, think so, though, because she's the only one of them that can talk. I know, but... but that's Anya, why she has trouble saying, with it. Yeah, Anya, what I'm saying is mm-hmm. that, that that when the doppelganger, like, like squeezes her neck to yeah, make her pass out so she can switch parts with her, 
is that it, it crushed her voice box, and that's why she talks the way she does. That could that could be very. Oh, I never like thought that. about that. Maybe that's why she, she was talking because she already knew how to talk when she went down there. Yeah, I mean, she's like her mom asked her, uh, "Do you have to go to the? Do you have to potty or whatever, or go to yeah, the bathroom?" She said, no. and she's like, "No, she I'm fine." The early shirt, like she said, what shirt she wanted. But I also got yeah. the the whole fact of like, well, she's downstairs now in this world and she's trying to adapt to that so she knows that they don't speak but, a lot, so and they don't speak yeah that's what i figured not developing like, her voice anymore and so over the next 20 years or so like she now she's sort of mute as well and she had to kind mm. of learn so she it because she was the when only she finally one does go to speak up top it's very hoarse because she yeah. does she has the muscles to do it but she hasn't done it in a long time so that makes sense too that, that's what i figured i don't yeah, know that makes sense. i like that we don't know that though this yeah, is yeah that's true I don't know it. It's fine that we can just kind of exchange like, well, I think this happened. I think that happened. I love the fact that Jason, when he gets scared is Jordan actually shows you throughout the movie. And when he gets scared, he puts the mask on. That's Jordan. So it, I feel like Jason is Jordan as a child. Yeah. yeah. yeah like, like putting on that mask. In the that, horror movies uh, in a sense, like masks and stuff. He's in a mask. If I'm scared, I'm putting on the mask, so that's why I do it. Because as soon as, as soon as he like pulls up his mask, because he kind of trusts the uh, the the tethered version of himself, you know, yeah. he pulls up his mask, and all of a sudden he pulls up his mask, and he gets really scared and puts his mask back down. So I thought Pluto was one of the best tethered, also, because he's just so different. The rest yeah. of them look kind of human. He doesn't at all. He yeah. acts like a pet. He's petted. And by he him. can't walk either. Yeah. He, yeah. He's no, on no. all fours. Yeah, he's like yeah. an ape, you know, like an orangutan or something. And then a chimpanzee. And then when he moves around and he and he saddles up next to his mother, he looks for his mother's love. He like leans in with his head and like kind of like hump, like I purrs a little bit, I guess. And like she pets him. But yeah, and his breathing so fucked up, probably from his burns, you know. Yeah. And so he's got this like, like down that he makes every time he breathes kind of a snore type thing got this presence to him it's very animalistic i like it though and i think it's cool um i don't know just to see this moment of like two kids in the closet like playing together him and his version of himself you know it's a trick but at the same time there's a moment where it feels like the the mask kid kind of lets his guard down he shows him what's under his mask right like here's what my face looks like and most people are scared you know hopefully Mm -hmm. you're not or like i don't know it's it's a weird dynamic these tethered because I like I like the husband tethered I like all the tethered really I like Kitty's tethered and her kids and Josh's tethered is really intense looking oh this they thing they get decimated like they're just oh, like that. they're fucking lushes yeah when he does that with his hair and he's got loved the, it he's the like same. he's trying to like pawn himself off as the real Josh he's like hey he put the coat on the jacket when he was like. And he's like, come into the house. Yeah, he's got this fucked up smile. And yeah, Addie knows it right away. She just embeds like this fucking fire poker right into his head. But I love that scene, the way it plays out. Like they have this argument. Uh, he's just lazy and drunk. They're both luscious. Yeah. Really. Well, they totally yeah. It's just kids, a squirrel. <laughs> yeah. Their kids are sort of just bratty. And yeah. they have this moment where they're just kind of having this little family argument and then all of a sudden the tethers just come out of nowhere and just like decimate them all, all, all at once. And yeah, they, because uh, Elizabeth Moss looks up and goes, hey. <laughs> and then, or, no, 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 I'm sorry, it was daughter. the husband. Yeah, yeah and then, like one of them comes out and then it's... And the daughters get killed. Massacre. Right? Yeah. 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 
And then just like the whole shit goes on. And at that same exact moment, uh, our family's coming up to the house for help. They took their boat to the um, the dock. And I just I love the fact of them like getting away with the boat um, from the initial home invasion scene, the way it played mm-hmm. out, the way the daughter had to run away and then come back and kind of like we get to see how like versatile her version is like at climbing around and like sneaking and stuff like that. And she's just lethal. Um, yeah. How about, how, I mean, about the, how about the daughter being like hit by the car or thrown off the car <gasps> and, and, and uh, like, like, like reaching out, just kind of laughing. And then Adeline was just, she, she looked up at her and just, I don't care. Yeah, but this, uh, obviously this, this little girl or, or, or this preteen teenage girl was just like, eh, and the way she was struggling was a rough scene to Dude, watch. Dude, I didn't I like, take that at all as I don't care. I took that as in like, I came here to finish you and I can't right now because even you're, though you're not uh, my daughter, you're a version of my daughter. And the and way she was like bent in half was like... As a mother, uh, she that. just couldn't bring herself to, to, to kill her and then she died. kind of like Yeah, it was so brutal. Back, oh so. my God. I didn't take that as that I don't care. I took that as like, at first she got there thinking she wouldn't care and then she was kind of dumbfounded by like, oh shit, like this is a suffering child, no matter how I look at it. And it looks exactly like my child. Right. Uh, there is a humanity to this doppelganger up top with the, the Wilsons. Like there's the, I, the Adelaide that's up top is not ever played as like inhuman. Yes, she's off. But I think there's still an argument to be had at like time spent up top. Like could have, you know what I mean? Like there's there's an argument that like everybody downstairs wasn't bad. Their movement was was kind of important to them as a people, mm-hmm. which is like tough to say that like, oh, well, you know, it wasn't important to me because I'm up top already, but to them it was. And like, who knows if the experience, if they were left up top, what they could have become, because we do see elements of that with Adelaide. And it's sort of an interesting discussion that you can have there, whether like, you know, just because Anya, was, yeah, on, yeah, Anya was going to say something. Go ahead. Go ahead, Anya. Oh, I was just going to say um, there's so many parts of this movie that you you're watching it and you think it's going to go one way and it goes another. I mentioned that earlier. And one of the scenes that I loved was the boat scene where you see them and they get in and the other Abraham has been killed and you're like, Oh my God. Okay. They're going to make it. And then you realize there's still another 50 minutes left in the movie. And I had so many moments like this in this movie where I, I was just kind of shocked. I'm like, that's already happened. And there is, you know, an hour and a half left. And I feel like, because he did that and then he adds in these elements of comedy and these moments of where you feel like an emotional kind of um you feel bad for them at these moments this empathy that it really breaks it up so that it's not just a high paced action horror or it's not just a slasher or it's not just a home invasion Mm -hmm. and because of that I truly feel like there's not one moment in this movie where you're just twiddling your thumbs. It is constantly having you think and guess. And, and then you you're going backwards and going, wait a minute, what did I just see? And now I'm rethinking everything that I saw before this. And that is why this is my second favorite movie, because I have watched it a bazillion times. And every single time I'll be like, I got something new out of this or I'll read something someone has said where I'm like, okay, I don't know if I believe that. And then I go back and watch it again. And I'm like, Oh my God, that has legitimacy too. And I like the image of Kitty, the double of Kitty, like putting on makeup. I love that. Living lavishly for a moment there. Cause it's their time to shine, right? It's the double's time to shine. 
And so you know what I loved about that scene, Heidelberg? Yeah, uh, the fact that the the kitty character or Elizabeth Moss was looking outside and she was crying and then all of a sudden started laughing because she realized her husband got blown up in that boat. That was like really brilliant. She was like, he's gone, but ha 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 ha. I mean, her real character earlier on did say, I would love to murder my husband. No, absolutely. Which tied into that, like, like, like doppelganger. And it was like, well, that was so good. Yeah. The scene at their house is really good. I liked the, uh, you know, uh, Ophelia call the police, which is like Alexa. And like you said already, it puts on um, NWA's. Fuck the police. police. the, The way the scene just plays out. And then we get our family come up to the, to the house knowing they hear that music which is they could tell something's off like come on and then uh just the way that i like the way the scene plays out where like the mom gets pulled in the house and dad's got to deal with uh the josh doppelganger the kids kind of duck away but then they got to show strength and they go in after their mom and i kind of love how they go in the house after mom and you think everything's kind of taken care of but then you see like the twins are still around they're doing these like weird like cartwheels and shit where they show up in this in this oh, yeah. <laughs> really creepy um and it's really cool to see Zora finally like assert herself and like protect her family protect her brother and then at one moment later on her brother protects her mm-hmm. so it's cool to see it come full circle i like to see that for those characters and it didn't oh, feel no. like it felt earned it never yeah. felt like oh this is the moment where the kid does some shit like because we got to have kids doing shit in the movie like it all works because we've built up this family and these characters. And I felt, you know, in their seat, like when they're going along, I felt uh, along with them. I was like, yes, like, I hope they get through this. I was I was rooting for them. And Peel's really good at doing that with his dialogue, just simple dialogue. I feel like he he makes characters seem genuine really quickly. You know, really and, quickly. Yeah. And, and genre like horror where sometimes we don't gravitate towards characters all that much, but we still enjoy the movie. But his films are all about the character. And I think he does a great job with it. The, the I Got Five on that song does come back on at this point, too, in the house. It just randomly comes on the radio. Yeah. So I love that it's like that little bit of through through way between the film. And then they kind of take a moment to kind of like gather themselves in the house. Um, Jacqueline said a bit of the trivia was that I think Jason had a dry bowl of cereal in the scene. <laughs> did he? Yeah. He did. Which yeah. also is a callback to Rose in in what's it called and um, Get Out. She has a dry dry cereal with milk on the side, mm-hmm. and so Jacqueline thinks that Jordan Peele is probably a dry cereal eater, just like her. Wow, son. his and details. I, yeah. All right, Anya, how do you feel about dry cereal? Do you need milk on it, or can you eat it dry? Oh, I can eat it dry, but the fact that Jacqueline never eats it with milk is what astonishes me. I she get- never eats it with milk. Yeah, she doesn't like it with milk. I get this. It depends on the. I think it depends on the type of cereal. Yeah, like I could eat Fruit Loops dry. That would be fine, but I wouldn't have. That's like a snack, though. I mean, like yeah, but that's what I'm saying. I mean, if you put them in a bag, they're like a snack. I get it. That's fine. Yeah. Exactly, but if I'm having like granola or something, I need to have milk with that. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you. um yeah so we get there's some just some great needle drops in general in this film in all his films uh you just always you notice it it's one of his monikers i feel his motifs just like we get the the single tear coming down someone's eye we get it a couple times in this film we get it uh um from red's character early on we get it from zora when she's about to drive they have the argument about driving 
after this mm-hmm. and her she starts tearing up there's a moment because like she's like i should drive and she has a point because her dad's legs busted and mom's hands are handcuffed so she's like obviously i should drive and so it's like this i love that dialogue all of it, it the kill count and yeah laugh. yeah the kill count and like it takes you out of because like something really horrific just happened in the house yeah. but we're, we're taken out of it for a moment just to be like yes this is still like a family movie it's about this family and like this is this is what families do they they have these little moments and i i think it it's very genuine it works for me in this film and it gives levity without being like over heavy-handed where it's just like here's yeah. somebody it's 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 a really good blend i'd be honest it's, yeah it, it it does give you that chuckle it, it, you're sitting there going like oh, okay <laughs> thank you that's just give me the like jokes you know yeah. Which people do, even even in a time of distress, they tell jokes because they don't know what else to do. Sometimes these certain people are drawn to tell jokes because it's just their coping mechanism. Mm-hmm. Oh, so, totally. I, I also true. saw the dad, Abraham. He is Jordan Peele as an adult. Yeah. Like, the, I the absolutely. Banger. I think so. No, not, well, not double glasses. ganger. Yeah. Oh, no, okay. no, no, no. Like with the glasses and everything. Oh, yeah, I could see that totally. Well, the way even the way he spoke, his delivery of jokes, his mm-hmm. um, his I very think... sarcasm, dry sense of humor. Yeah. Like if you ever watched Kim Peel, you know, mm-hmm. Jordan oftentimes will have the same delivery. So I was just like, This is Jordan Peel in another actor. I love it, yeah, because like he makes a he makes that home alone joke when there's Yeah, the micro machine. <laughs> yeah. yeah, she says this speech of like now's the time to run because yeah. they have the upper hand, not fucking lay out micro machines and wait for them. And then we get a moment where Jason goes, Mom, what is micro machines? And then Zora goes, What is home alone? And then just, oh, I'd love so that. If, all, if Anya was in this movie, it'd be and yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was pretty funny because I got the dad's just sort of like, well, you get what I'm saying, right? Like, let's fucking lie and wait, and we'll set some traps and fucking <laughs> and it, we'll wait it out. But mom's like, this is the moment where mom takes asserts herself. She's like, no, we need to like get out of here now. Maybe she wants to get out because she doesn't want to face the music of the fact that like she'll be found out that she's a doppelganger. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, that's an don't issue. we get that at the end? Well, I was going to say, I don't, I don't know if she's thinking about it quite at that extreme at that moment. I think at that moment, it's just trying to get away. But I think um, the moment where she's downstairs, she's like, it's it's either red or me. Because if it's not red, I'm going to be found out and I'm yeah. going to be killed. I like that she's attacked by one of the twins, too, when she goes back in for the keys. And we get to see that, like, the dad didn't want to leave originally, but then when he finds out he can drive Josh's new car, which he was envious of, yeah, we could take the new car. Okay, we'll take it. And so she's <laughs> got to find the key fob and she sees it across the room. But as she's seeing that, she sees that there's a body missing. The same body that's been sitting in the fucking uh, coffee glass coffee table for like the whole time that they were sitting in the living room watching that news report of like how large scale everything's gotten. It was there the whole time. Yeah, it, it was, was in the glass. It was it was one of the twins. It was the twin that fell off the the the. Oh, you mean the dead? Bo- it's seemingly dead body. I think it's dead. Yeah, but then right when she goes back in for the keys, so it was laying there the whole time. Like I don't know how much it hurt. I think it was probably still dead somewhat at that point, and it kind of woke up uh, when she left the room. But yeah, she comes back and she realizes it's not there anymore. So she like makes this mad dash for the keys. I kind of love that moment of her like prepping herself. Right. But I love the way Jordan shot. 
Jason coming in and seeing the ma or seeing uh, Adeline go like killing her and just, yeah. <laughs> you know, just like, like, like kind of figuring out who she really is. It's yeah. a good point, actually, because there are moments, and that's one of them. And there's a moment earlier on when she's talking about the rain clouds overhead. She's stuttering, and there's like a brokenness to her dialogue where it sounds like almost like Red's, you know, throatiness, where it's almost. Oh, yeah. 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 There's, there's several little moments in, yeah, in Adelaide's voice, too, where it breaks up as things escalate, which is interesting. To, they, they're, they're embedded there just like slowly. Like it's hard to pick up. She could just be distraught. But for mm-hmm. me, I picked up the the cadence of it. The way it breaks up is sounding very similar to the way that um, Red's vocals break up. And she doesn't have complete sentences sometimes because she like, uh, uh, you know, she gets these like choked up moments. Mm-hmm. I love the way she does the swallow thing. I mean, as much as I hate like saliva and shit like that, it was just like the way she was like. It's you know, the, yeah. It's the sound of that. And gross. In the very and, end. No, 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 no. Even before she starts her little monologue, like when they're in the house where she's like. It's all very deliberate. But I mean, that would also add to to her difficulty if her throat had been crushed. Mm. So you're right. Yeah. Well, that's what I thought. You know, yeah, the the doppelganger crushing her. Yeah. Would would a little kid be able to do that, though? I think to another little kid. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I see. I, I, I got to go back and watch it now, knowing this, and I'm going to see it in a whole <laughs> different way. Pass out. There's a chance that she could have. Yeah. 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 You're right. That's so true. That makes sense. And then that's oh why. That's, and that's what makes. That's what makes us believe that the other one that comes up from is the one that belongs down there, because we're like, oh, well, she can't really speak, so she must be from down there. And the one that we know up here speaks, so she obviously got away. Which is, uh, you know, a brilliant part of the movie. And mm-hmm. it's that twist that you get at the end. And it's just like, you know, Jason puts on his mask and it's like, my mom's not the person that I should be with. And yeah, but like, him putting on that mask is him acknowledging it, I felt like. like Yeah. Yeah. Kind of like, this them, is like, my life. You know that you're not really my mom, but you are. And then like, right. well, she is his mom, but well, I know who you're supposed to be. Well, but throughout the movie, about, like when he puts on the mask, that's when he's afraid. You know, I don't know that that's uh, maybe I don't know that that's, I I read I read it the same as you, Hydroberg. It was just like, okay, I've accepted this, yeah, put the mask on, totally, and just sit back. And she's content as a character. We can see like this contentness of like, all right, I'm just going to keep driving. We're going to get out of this. Like, we'll get through this as a family. And like, this is I don't know, like, hey, but she also does this maniacal smile of like, yeah, yeah I know what I did. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I it's it's a it's a weird thing because she didn't really do anything to anybody besides a double of herself. Other than that, she never was like nasty to anybody. You know what I mean? She didn't go out of her way to like. So it's true, it's, but he who he realizes what she did. I mean, oh no, I know, who she is. Never making her seem like a, a like a total villain. Like we no. never to believe anybody's really the total villain. Like we we sympathize with both sides. I think that's right. a good. You don't get that a lot with a horror movie. Like as. The yeah. Double show up and they they're terrifying and like the home invasion scene is shot terrifyingly and they're imposing. But at the same time, we mm-hmm. grow to like see that there's these intricacies that like they are family. They're a weird family and they're a doppelganger family to this other family. But then we also see like these moments where the doppelgangers spend with their doppelgangers. But like, at least the kid, we see moments of you know like oh there's something here and we hear mm-hmm. Red's you know story of like why she's envious and why she's coming up up top for vengeance and 
I don't know. It, it's all genuine enough that you can relate to it. Even if, you know, like I'm not a fucking doppelganger that lived downstairs for all my life, but I can understand one that you know top. of. Yeah, that I know of. <laughs> but I can understand wanting to get up top like that. Those are themes that I can get behind. Sure. Not just that I was crazed by some satanic pumpkin that makes me kill on the 31st of Halloween or every year or something. You know what I mean? Like, it just makes sense to me. It's like, okay, I get, I can get behind that. Uh, I will say that that scene where, you know, she's updating Adelaide with everything that happened and telling the whole story when she, Adelaide ends up killing Red. She, you know, has gotten her with the fire poker and then she starts whistling my yeah. heart felt like it broke for her. Her blood. Yeah. Like, oh, and then she just got the chain around her well, neck. That's and... the evil Adelaide Woo! moment right there. The mm. chain. Yeah. The extra moment where, like, yeah. I feel like, yeah, we do get a glimpse of, like, yeah, what... that wasn't necessary again yeah, what... because she had to continue to hide her story. Yeah. Right. Or I also, she's a psychopath. So driven. At that moment, like the whistling was just like egg, like egging her on that she just went ahead and killed her. But yeah, but you watch it again. I mean, you look at her and she's just like, hey, listen, I know who you are. You know who I am. And then it's like, nope, you're dead. I like right? that he makes me uh, like identify with what could be conceived as the villain. Yeah, I agree. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. It's it's a movie like that, that where you walk away going, oh, well, now I don't know how to feel. I feel icky because the person who I thought was the villain this whole time and you're rooting for the other person to get away. And it has the complete switch at the last Mm -hmm. eight minutes or so of the movie. And you're like, whoa, that is a visceral reaction that you're feeling. You feel uneasy and you're like, ooh. Exactly right. Because he never makes you totally hate Red. Uh, there's this weirdness to Red where you're just sort of you you are sort of like infatuated with her in a sense where you just like, Red is the first one that cries when she's telling the story. She's the mm-hmm. first one. I, I mean, it was the Daniel Kaluuya scene where it's just mm-hmm. the tear yeah, drops you can down. Tell with like, that delivery, like what she's saying, is very impactful. Yeah. Like it means something yeah. to her. The story she's telling, this chance like, to speak on the upper level, talking and about eating rabbits raw and yeah. bloody. And my ears just like, oh my god! Yeah, she Ugh. already managed. She she technically would know that that's not something right to do. Correct. Yeah. So, well, and then yeah. they, when they have that flashback as well, when you see them just all sitting there consuming the gross rabbits, yeah. and you see oh, the yeah. other rabbits running around next to it. <laughs> oh. Yeah, that 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 definitely I didn't make really me feel good. Really, actually, like the reveal too of the underground because there's this moment that when we're building up towards in the end where Addie's going down these stairs, she's going down these dark corridors that were like dimly lit and we're getting this like claustrophobic vibe, but then it just, and then we're getting this music too that's kicked in, that's intense yeah. and it's building up. And then when you get the reveal of downstairs with the rabbits, all the music just stops. Everything opens up now. It's not claustrophobic. There's like these open, there's these open like hallways and they're bathed in white. And it's such a contrast mm-hmm. of what we just saw as she was coming downstairs and it's like a scene change automatically changes all of a sudden. And now she's down in the, you know, the tethered area, which she's not familiar with. And it seems so weird to us because we're looking around. There's these weird benches and, um, you know, these weird like the, the material that the walls are uh, covered in looks weird, almost like padding like you would see in an asylum. In an insane asylum. Yeah. I know. That's what I thought. Exactly. Yeah. A little bit more friendlier than that. But yeah, definitely almost like a mall mixed in with a, a Santa sound kind of deal with. Did you did you know that it actually had a name? 
that Pity. whole underground. Yeah. And the rabbits are loose at that moment, too. So they're all over the place. They're all free. Exactly. Yeah. But yeah, he named it the underpass and it was written in the script and everything, but it was never said in the movie, which is strange to underpass. me. The okay. underpass. Yeah. Oh, wow. But I just I noticed the contrast of it. And once she goes down. Yes. Contrast. And um, well, that's yeah. the duality of the light and dark. Everything yeah. in this movie is so heavy on dualities. It's beautiful. It's like the stuff it's we, true. we finally get down there. It's actually pretty light, like with the rabbits yeah. and white walls. But the what was going on down there is very dark. Well, yeah. it's showing freedom. I mean, it, the rabbits at the beginning of the movie are in cages. They're all spread out. Yeah, when she goes down there. So yeah, and then they like John. You already mentioned that awesome scene of just like the the contrast of um, Red's face with the blur around it, and then but keeping in focus mm-hmm. um, Adelaide with her weapon, and that shot is really well done. And we're keeping the dialogue going too. It's a there's di- a lot of dialogue given during that moment, and so like sometimes scenes are used like that just for an image alone, but the fact that we can stay on it and give this dialogue. And have both act the same actress in both like shots is mm-hmm. weird. It's interesting, like how they achieved it. Um, so lovely, really good job I mean, with camera work. Yeah, it looks really good. It does. If it ever came across as like really ha- heavy handed or like forced to convey something as a, a like like a plot point, like it all just worked naturally. Yeah. Well, that's the brilliance that all of this stuff that could be misconstrued as forced in a film is just natural for him because he's written it in so perfectly he did yeah, just the fact that lupita is like act, the, her best acting is alongside herself i know she has great co-workers <laughs> like like her you know the uh the the other actors they were great also but the best scenes are her and herself talking yeah. to mm-hmm. one another mm-hmm. yeah her when she is red is like next level acting yeah well and, and that's the thing is that there was one fantastic acting acting scene when they were above like in the house and then the next one was when they were below yeah and you said the fact that it seems like the actress kind of created a good amount of the nuance behind her character i found mm -hmm. that interesting that she was given that by peel to sort of stretch it you know stretch her legs and Mm -hmm. find this character herself which is interesting and it shows in the uh in the portrayal I'm curious at how much fun she had doing this scene or doing this uh this part. I could see like, this being tiresome and like really. Fun, oh, but... I think she would have been flying high as a kite. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I think so too. I think she would have loved this. I mean, it, it I don't just, mean tiresome like, in a bad way. I just mean like as a role, like it, there's a lot to it. Like you know, yeah, maintaining character all day and like I could be, I could see it being a tiring role, not one that she's going to want to like necessarily jump back into again. Well, let's, I, would, ask, I would like. Oh, I'm going to ask our actor over here. Um, so, what is it like to play a character? Maybe that's similar to yourself, but not. I mean, you've done some acting. I, I have. Well, I was just going to say the one thing I would like to know about Probably. Lupita is is how did she did she have to jump from character to character in the same day? Because that's yeah, that's, that's really tough. Well, did she have to go to be Red and Adelaide within the same? film scenes right because when you're playing one character you can get into the headspace of the one character but if you have to play the same or the two different characters within a couple hours of filming it's hard it's a very emotional you got to jump from character to character and think about different things and have different Mm. reactions and that's what i would like to know if if lupita 
had to jump from Lupita to Red to Adelaide all within the time span of a few hours. I, I, I wouldn't think so. I, I would actually think that they filmed Adelaide and Red separately. Sometimes they don't, though. That's the thing is yeah. when you when you, you know, my my experience obviously is limited to what I've done, but it isn't always they don't it's always film in sequence. Right. It's exactly. exactly. We got to so get sometimes... right. now. We can't wait till. Well, let me it, ask you, is that Anya, when you did that, because you it in your movie, you played like a very shy girl. You're not. I mean, but you're very outgoing. I still, awesome I still saw like semblance of you, Anya Gore, in that character. Sure, when I watched sure but in, I mean, like, like, in ha- like in uh, uh, Frankie. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. That was a hard one for me to play. That okay. was that was because that's so. The inspiration for that character was Charlie, actually from Hereditary. She is supposed to. You're supposed to look at her and go, okay. Yeah, there's there's some weird mental instability mm-hmm. there and you can't quite pin it. And she doesn't know really how to talk to people and 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 be around people. And so that was really hard for me because I'm not like that. <laughs> yeah, but you're pretty good at throwing yourself in into a character. Plus, I've seen the, the photo shoots like the set dressing and stuff that you guys do with Malevolent is um, pretty impressive. And then that's the- <laughs> The extra people that come in that do uh, makeups or the actors that do full makeup as well. I've seen some of the other actresses that you've performed with. They're mm-hmm. impressive as well. There there was one scene, and again, I, I've talked to you about this, Anya, is that when you pick up the, I think it was the squirrel that was dead. dead. Was that, was that ra- actually? It was a, it was a rabbit. And that oh, was a real was thing really? that happened, right? Like that uh, was real roadkill? Well, uh, no, sort of. So it was a dead rabbit. Okay. Um and it was a taxidermied rabbit. Oh, and we, ha- we had to add back in the guts and the blood. Oh. So if it was in the moment real roadkill, that would have been That's really what I thought. difficult I was for like, me. Just- <laughs> she's going to pick up that dead. <laughs> yeah. No, luckily there was no guts in it. It's anything. Canada with like roadside, like a lot of trucks and shit going by. So you never know if that stuff's readily available. Oh, it- it is. You have no idea. I've seen what one of my cats when I was growing up in high school came walking in with a rabbit in his mouth and he had eaten his face off. Oh, my God. Oh, no. Here, mom. This is for you. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks that was for a that. present for you. Yeah, that was a present, um, I guess. So just to get back on track, uh, yeah. the dance scene, I do like that. I, it's not played exactly like a dance, but it is a dance in a sense. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like this raw dance and the music's played over it again. And we get these shots of like what it was like as dancers on the tethered ends. Um, and there's one of the things that they had in common that um, Red enjoyed, I guess, the dancing aspect. And it's sort of like where she ended up speaking. I guess there was a moment when they that they had together where they realized that they were connected during that dance, maybe mm-hmm. uh, she was saying. And that's when uh adelaide kind of quit dancing i guess kind of faked her injury so she didn't dance anymore maybe because of that connection that she felt is that what we're and thinking that, another reason she's a psychopath yeah maybe i mean psychopath. <laughs> talks about her leg it looks like she was injured but there's a moment where like it feels like she was con- contacted by red maybe at one moment in her life or felt yeah con- it's interesting that you say that because you know that scene where she is 
they're at the cabin and she's looking in the mirrored room and she's having a memory of when she was young. And then you see the face turn around and look directly at her. Mm-hmm. It is, it is, it was like a, a warning of I'm coming and I'm here. So that would make sense then that, yeah, if that was where they were connected the most is when they're dancing, that she would do what she could to she's sever there, that right? connection. Yeah, yep. The tether of, in a sense. Well, Red up. also brings that up too. It's like, never thought I would dance ever. It's- yeah. You know, and she she does. I believe what she said was, no, I'm never going to dance again. Feet <laughs> have got no rhythm. They should have played that song at that oh, moment, or God. that should have been the ending. We are dance with you. Uh, wait, wait, was that? that was Wham, right? Yeah. No, it was George Michael. Was oh, it, was just, it was just George Michael. Yeah. Okay. We- <laughs> I know it was Wham. Well, I mean, he was part of Wham, but I'm yeah, I'm fairly was, confident that was just us. <laughs> Wake me up before you go. go. So yeah, Touch. red whistling through her blood. Really cool scene. Agreed. It's really it's, it's, that that one scene like, where she's so whistling. It was so inspiring to me as a horror creator. Like, mm-hmm. oh I man, whistling too because like she's like, wait a minute, like you and I still have a con- we have a connection, like with the whistle that we did, like. I'm no, I, I I felt it was it was her last you. breath of like, hey, I'm the real Adeline. It like true, the way true, she yeah. did. No, that, there she, was she, okay. She went, I gotta. I felt like she was like reaching out a little bit. No, too. the the whistle is a representation. I can't remember. I gotta go back and and pick up on this one. There is a time where we hear the whistle before that, and it's the same whistle. And I, I feel like it was around the time where. Adelaide went down there for well, the yeah, first no, time. No, there is there is a whistle. The other Adelaide whistles back. But so it was then like that reverse though. Drawn right? down there because of the whistle. That's what draws. I, I know, but is but, it was like, it the whistle? But, yeah, the no, whistle. but when she went down there, was it in reverse of what the actual Adelaide was whistling? It was in reverse, right? She was whistling. What was the tune she was whistling again? I I can't remember. Yeah, I, I don't. It on I, screen, I forgot. I thought it, I, I thought it was in reverse. Like, 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 it, it gave that little, you know, the, the, the little, uh, um, it could have been because it did sound off. It didn't sound yeah. exactly. also like there's that moment where mom's like, oh, uh, when they're enjoying the moment where I got five on it's on and she's like, come on, let's keep with the rhythm. And she's snapping. She's not really snapping with the rhythm. No, she's yeah. sort of off. You know what I mean? Cause yeah. she, she's off. She's not actually the real Adelaide. So she's sort of off also. Um, but then I was like, well, she was still a dancer. So she obviously had some of that still. She has but rhythm. Yeah. I don't know how she, she might've quit dancing like very shortly after. I don't know. Yeah. It didn't, it didn't really... got no rhythm. Well, I mean, it, from, from the little clips you see of her actually dancing as a ballerina, she looked like she was kind of advanced. Like it wasn't just yeah. a quick, like, it makes my... think, like the image of the ballerina was like, her enjoying dancing with while well, what's her name was up there, like the real Adelaide doing real mm-hmm. dancing title. And like, we never actually saw our Adelaide dancing. Like the way it's shot though, makes me think we're seeing the, the doppelganger up there, like dancing on her behalf. Yeah. Well, and it also seems like she could feel and sense that the real Adelaide yeah. was actually getting some enjoyment out of this. And so she was like, True. I'm cutting that as well. Like, cause yeah. again, she's, she's, she did, she knows what she's doing. Yeah, and so she, she found dancing because it was one of the therapies that the the therapist said try, mm-hmm. you know, poetry, artistry, and you know, like dancing. Try and give her an outlet for her, her voice. Um, is there anything else you guys really want to touch on with the film? No, I think we covered it. 
We covered a lot. I still never understood why we never got to really see the dad's face because you see the mom's face. And mm-hmm. like I get I get what you were saying, Hedgerberg, about how you don't they kind of don't want you to feel connected to to that child and that family because of what kind of happens. But it is very it's a I started noticing it after maybe the fifth watch or something like that, but it's it's very deliberate. The camera, right as he's turning around, it, it moves down, but the, it never right. moves down of the mother's face. And right. I just, well, I, I'm wondering if Winston Duke was actually filming like Black Panther or something like that because he was a part of both of them. So no, no, sorry, not him. Dad, he's talking no, about dad as a child. Adelaide's dad is oh. a child. Oh, oh. So, Candyman guy. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe yeah. because mom's mom is like the she's like the nice force in the relationship where like um, mom's in the shop because she's like, oh, I'm looking after my kid. Like everything she says is about like caring for Adelaide. And the dad's yeah. about like, hey, I, I won you a T-shirt. I'm drunk right now. Let's like, right. let's try. and win Well, some- even when they go to the, the therapist is like, he's like, I got to go out for a smoke. I don't want to talk about this anymore. So he just mm-hmm. like touches her head and leaves. So, so that's the I, only I time you get to see his face a little bit. You see a yeah. little glimmer of him. And that's it a little differently too. Cause there was a way of played it. Like, Oh, I'm just going to have a smoke. There was a way of also show that like him smoking was his coping mechanism. And that like, he just couldn't take the fact that like his mind couldn't process my daughter's not speaking. Like he was not, he, you know, he's like, Oh, well, I'm sure she'll get over it. You know what I mean? He's like one of those guys where like you're not processing the seriousness of what's going on because he was and he wasn't paying attention to his daughter when he was doing whack-a-mole. It was like exactly. So it was like part of his guilt, too. Like he he just couldn't listen to this conversation anymore because I think he was getting overwhelmed. And so he was his idea was like, I I have to leave and go have a cigarette because I I can't take. And he's also he was the doppelganger. Imagine that. (laughs) His doppelganger was pretty creepy downstairs, too. Can we give this an 11? An 11, uh, maybe? I don't know. No, an 11 out of 10? And yeah. an 11, 11? Thank you for getting me. Yeah, it is. You, would you like to go first? Sure. Um, God, I'm going to go really short on this. But, man, this movie was so good. Um, like I brought up previous, is that when you watch Jordan Peele movies, you have to watch them multiple times to really get the the gist of it. But man, this movie is so good. Um, rewatchability, you can watch it multiple times and get enjoyment every single time. Um, for me, the acting was fantastic. Lupita Nyong'o not getting a nomination for, I don't know. Anya, what do you think? Best actress or supporting actress? Actress, hands down. Oh, absolutely. Okay, so her not getting that is a crime. Um, It's ridiculous. But I'm going to give this movie a 10 out of 10 hands across America. Uh, How about you, Anya? Nice, 10 out of 10 hands across America. John, just to touch on that, I think that she should have got nominated for both Best Actress and... Agreed. I totally agree. I mean, it was just like, I, I don't know, give her supporting or... Actress, I, I don't know. She did both. I would say fantastic. both, just, even if it was just like a joke. But I mean, even true, if you gave Winston Duke a supporting actress or actor nomination, it, that would have been fine. But man, I mean, she did so good in this movie, and there's nothing wrong with this movie. Every time we watch it, you get something out of it. So I was going to throw it to Anya, but go ahead. Uh, yeah, no, no, not Anya. 
I want to hear what Anya says. All right. Okay. Well, what I love about this movie, aside from everything, um, is this movie can appeal to intellectual horror fans, but also popcorn horror movie watchers. And I think that's where Jordan Peele really nails it. You can watch this movie if you want to only watch a slasher or you want to only watch a home invasion movie or you want to watch a thriller and or if you're an intellectual horror movie fan you want to watch it for all of the subtext and all of the metaphors it is not going to be a movie that is going to go over your head if you're into that and if you want to watch it on a more of a surface level you will absolutely feel satisfaction from it and there's very few horror directors that encompass all of that within one movie and the acting is i i've never seen anybody nail a role of a final girl like that ever like the acting that nupita does in this role is far superior than i think anybody even deserves to watch in a horror movie honestly um i think this is a perfect movie literally it is a perfect movie to me and it's absolutely a 10 out of 10 all right uh i do not know what Jacqueline intended to give this film. Uh, give me a second. Oh, I have it here. Never mind. I know. Pack. I wanted to hear her say. It's sad that she got it's sick. Bad. Oh, bad. She left some trivia. Sorry, guys. She said my head was going to explode. Uh, she gives it a mm. she gives it a nine. Her score is a nine. So did uh, she say why, or she just gave the score? She did. She left some trivia though, and she okay. yeah. So I have that stuff here. Uh, yeah, I just. She said her her head. I think she was having some like migraine issues, but she did leave some trivia. But anyway, um, my my review, uh, I'm gonna like split it down the middle a little bit with you guys. Um, I'm not a hundred percent like out of ten on this film. That's just me. Um, I think there's some real great pros here. The intensity in almost all the scenes is really impressive. I was like along for the ride, and even though I knew it was coming along like the second time. I still enjoyed it. Um, the second watch was, it wasn't like, oh man, I've seen this already. And it's like, now I'm just going to take notes. It was like, I was still along for the ride. You're still, a, a, you know, an audience member, a guest, if you will, along for the ride here. And, you know, Peel's movies are really good at that. I think there's some heavy themes here at play, but they're never done overly heavily. Uh, they're not explained heavily. They're, there's enough there to be like, like you said, you can be intellectual about something and you can pick it apart and think that there's themes that play here and there, whether they are or not, there the conversation is there to for you to fill in those blanks. Or you can just say, like, hey, I just really enjoy like a home invasion movie and like this hits the mark for me. And I don't need to know the inner workings of like the doppelgangers. Just the thematics work, it's scary. There's there's an intensity to it. There's a family drama. Well, I feel for this family and I feel for their safety, and that's all I need. And there's that's that's all there if you want it. The writings like, you know, um, his writings is really good. It's layered. Uh, The tone of the film, I feel, is just excellent. The home invasion aspect shines really well here. I think that's the main aspect that this film does as far as genre is like home invasion. It's just really original too. like an original take on a subgenre is interesting to see because we don't. It's fine to do like people like, oh, I'm so tired of zombies. But you know what? I get that. But every once in a while, like you'll get a film in that genre that just like redefines it. And to take like peels that guy, he does things like that. The genres where he just is like he's not confined by the specifics of the genre. He's going to use the genre to tell a story, but he can bend it. He can blend them. 
uh, really well. And it's because of his really good acting. The writing, I mean, the um, writing, I mean, the writing, I think, is really impressive here. I think it's just it. It's one of the more impressive things like that. I'm impressed by continually by Peel's movies is his dialogue. Um, I think with each passing movie, I'm more and more impressed The the brother and sister dynamic of Nope to me is one of the, my favorite parts of that film, regardless of whether like you connect with the the horror elements of that film. Some people don't necessarily. I do. Uh, but I think the time spent with his characters is just beautiful. And the same thing with this film and get out, get out was done in, a, in an interesting way though, where we, there are characters presented that we don't want to like, you know what I mean? You find out early on, like, Oh, I shouldn't like these people. So it was interesting with this. We're driven to kind of like our family. And then the doppelgangers themselves, they should be evil. Some of them are, but like they're played in an interesting way where there's a duality to them. And I think the film it handles that duality in a really in a really interesting way where it never really defines it who's good who's bad like what which ter- like viewpoint is is the best like we've talked about it who we think is you know the best lapita i mean um uh, um addy or red but they're kind of the same person in a way and i i kind of like that i think the acting by everyone is really good but especially lapita Nyong'o's uh I probably butchered the name, but I think this is her movie. Like she just kills both versions of herself. Um, like, re- like I've never seen a role like that done. I really enjoyed the kids in this film. Also, I felt like they felt genuine and both of them had like real genuine character to them. Yeah. They played kid tropes and annoying teenager daughter, a kid, you know, ADHD son who can't stop moving around and has like weird quirks. But you know what? Their, their personality shines through their acting and like their roles, like they have enough of like as a character to do something where maybe they don't have a full arc, but there's enough there that like the daughter puts herself ahead of the family and, and like tries to run away. There's these moments of heroism on them, on them both that feels like earned. And I like that. There's a great blend, a blend, a melange, I'm saying, uh, if you will, of themes that play here. Also like the assorted mix of genres, at play i just think there's horrific moments there at the same time there's genuine characters there's sense of comedy like a humor to them there's commentary there's family drama it all plays really well and it never leans too heavily on one aspect or the other it's a fun balance i think that he achieves with this i think the sound design fantastic soundtrack needle drops amazing the use of i got five on it especially and they use it in several different ways several different themes and uh just remixes of it it's amazing i do have a couple cons though the ending with me the hands across america thing i just i'm sorry even on a second watch it just i don't know man it just feels weird i get it though i like i get it that that was the main focus that she had there was the main driving force that she had down below to like think of a plan of like how am i gonna uh, uh, you know assert myself and and show that there's people down here that need to be like recognized and the hands across america was it you know so I, I get that. Maybe I'm just like disconnected from the idea of it as an 80s kid. Like, I just don't remember it that well being that huge of a thing. But for Peel, it was, I feel like, I don't know, just them all like connecting. Like, what are they doing after? What 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 do we do after? Like, they're not dead. The authorities could have moved in and just gunned them down at that point. Like, I'm just curious what happens with the rest of it. But we get to see some of it. We see that ending shot of like the hills. And I like that. And like, you get to see the aftermath of like, fires in the distance and helicopters dealing with it and then like the red line of all the people in the jumpsuits the fact that they all had jumpsuits and and golden scissors it is a little dumb 
if you think about it. Like, where did they get them? But I don't, the film doesn't really make me want to do that, I'll be honest. But I do have an asshole side of myself that does that. <laughs> I don't know. But um, there are a couple like exposition dumps also in the film that could be seen as cons, but they're not really, to be honest. I could see people having a gripe with them. I think they're done really well, though. They could have been done terribly. And it could have really taken you out of the film. And they're, they're, the moments that they're there, they service the the backstory um, for what's going on without over explaining things. Um, this is my least favorite Peel film. And the second watch has boosted it, definitely. But it's still in close, like quality wise, as far as the other films. So I, th- I feel like that's still saying a lot. Um, and I'm, I'm just going to stop rambling. Uh, with that said, I'm going to give Jordan Peel's I'm going to give it an 8.75 out of 10 hands across America. <laughs> I gave Nope a nine and I feel like I really enjoyed Nope more, but I do feel like this film has more to say. And... I will say I will say just really quickly about the red suits. Yeah. They needed to differentiate themselves from their doppelgangers. They had to wear no, something where they the would all suit. recognize each other. Line where we found out where the red suits were found, like the maintenance crew that abandoned the place left red suits behind. You know what I mean? Like there was like some aspect of why the red suits came into play. The fact that these people underground the whole time could plan this and be come out uh, on top as clean and, you know, concise is like we all have red suits on and golden fucking. Well, I think it. No, I think it was it was supposed to be like so so that I know who if you're a doppelganger and you're on my side or if you're one of the others and then you kill them and then you all what's eerie about the ending is when you see how long that line stretches, it indicates the water. Well, that's how many people that they've killed. So the end of the world is happening because of these mm-hmm. doppelgangers, Be- mm-hmm. but kind of theoretically stems back to when Adelaide went down there. So if Adelaide hadn't done that, then this the wouldn't have happened. And yeah, sorry. No, at least the end of the U S like, I don't know if this is a worldwide thing or just a United States thing. Yeah. We, we, it we, felt we, like it was mostly United States. I think so. Yeah. I yeah. Yeah. And then the whole, you, you know, us being the U S kind of thing spoke on that as well. So, uh, but yeah, that's my uh, that's my review. All right. Uh, did we say what Jacqueline gave it? She gave it a nine. She did. Yeah, and she left me with a little trivia. If you want me to read it, absolutely. Anya, we're we're on the same page, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I gave it a ten. I said it was a perfect film. <laughs> and I don't I don't begrudge you the film. <laughs> I can see why you'd think it's a perfect film. I I, I want to wish it was a perfect film, but for me, it's like not exactly. I'll be honest. The first time I saw it, I just I was a little disappointed. So, you know, the I feel like. It well, the first uh, the first time you saw it. Yeah, I get that. Uh, that's fine. I saw it in the movie theater. See, that's how I felt about Get Out. The hands across yeah, the same. really takes me out of it. I'll be honest. I do think that. I, to me, it's story. not a big it's not a big focus of the film. So for me, it, it's kind of irrelevant almost. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah they talked about it. Yeah, they said there were Americans and all of this. But I was just well, like, whatever. <laughs> I just love the fact that every time that one of the tethered killed their human uh, uh, person. Counterpart, yeah. Yeah. So they, they would join. So. Mm-hmm. so Jordan Peele on the set, he gave the cast 11 horror films to watch so that they would all have like a shared language. Of okay. The- when filming Jaws from 1975, Dead Again from 1991, The Shining from 1980, The Babadook from 2014. Really? From wow. A Tale of Two Sisters from 2003, The Birds mm-hmm. from 1963, 
Funny Games from 1999, I want to say. It's a little... Yeah. Some marker of it. Martyrs from 2008. Let the Right One In from 2008. And The Sixth Sense from 1999. Man, that is a large portion of horror movies to watch to kind of give you... Uh, I could... Watching all those is heavy. There's some heavy... Yeah. The Tale of Two Sisters is the only one I haven't watched. Strange and it's good. I'd, I've heard. I want to see it, actually. I'm going to write that one down because I want to get that back on my list. The Koreans have some amazing... Oh, oh they're, they're I can't like handle... They're like rewatch movies. Like, you kind of... You don't pick it all up sometimes on the first watch. Fucking Martyrs. Oh, my God. Yeah, Ugh. I know. I know. But some of these... A lot of these films we covered. The Babadook, It Follows. Yeah, yeah, we did. Have okay. you done Martyrs? Yeah, we did. We have. Yeah. And then we did Let the Right One In, the Swedish version. We have. Love yeah. that movie. Yeah. Um, like the Lost Boys from 1987, several key scenes take place on the Santa Cruz Beach boardwalk. <laughs> this is even referenced in-universe when Adelaide's mother, Anna, uh, says, you know, there is a shooting. They're shooting a movie over there by the carousel, which we mm-hmm. all picked up on, which is mm-hmm. just kind of cool to have that little moment. I wish he did an overhead shot more of the... Of the um, the, the like the carnival section, so we kinda, it would have been awesome if they had the saxophone guy in there, like going, <laughs> and he's just like, <laughs> she's, yeah, she's no. like walking into the the uh, Merlin's forest, and the saxophone guy's just a little, yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah why didn't they should have, or they had a little, um, what's it, Kiefer Sutherland cameo? He just walks by or something, and he's totally, yeah, exactly, with yeah, the, dirt bike in the background, like, rah, rah, yeah. like drinking a lemonade or something like that. Yeah. Like, how you doing? Uh, yeah. So there's that. Let's see here. She has some more trivia. Uh, Duke Nicholson's characters are named Danny and Tony. And Jordan. Oh wait, hold on. And Jordan Peele told him to play the part like Lloyd, the bartender from The Shining, not realizing at the time that he is Jack Nicholson's grandson. Yeah. That's okay. Cool. Which and it took it took me a, to a minute to read that too. I got really confused because it's like Jack and Jack and who? Which character was Duke Nicholson? Um, hold on. Danny Actually, and Tony, which characters are those? Well, d- one of them is red, or the red version, and then the other one is. Hold on, I think it was like a side character. Hold on. Please tell me the son was Jason, based off of Jason Voorhees wearing the mask. That's what I kind of picked up on. Yeah. Uh, so Bible verse here, but I already did. I th- okay. So the, here's a picture of him. I don't know. He might have been. Um. Oh, he was the was he Jeremiah guy, the eleven no, eleven guy, the dude at the uh, carnival game. Oh, the oh, carnival and, oh. Game time, you know, double downstairs too. That was yeah, uh, over with yeah, yeah. That's Jack Nicholson's son. Oh wow! And yeah, he was Grand named time. what was it? Tony and Danny in in the yeah. film. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Tony uh, being the voice in the back of the throat. Shining. Okay, I get it. Red, 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 <laughs> over. <laughs> The overhead <laughs> that voice thing is sort of like how red sounds, so that's, that's interesting. Actually, yeah, red. The overhead shot of the Wilsons driving to the vacation home, along with the synchronized uh, speech and mannerisms of the twins, is a reference to The Shining as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. which is cool. I like to see Peel like kind of do those things. Uh, while the Wilsons are in the Taylor's house, Jason eats a dry bowl of Fruit Loops. Uh, already <laughs> mentioned. The reference to the scene that Jordan Peele's previous movie, Get Out. And also Our host, Jacqueline, Jacqueline likes to no eat longer here to defend. cereal. <laughs> uh, the presence of white rabbits, the Hall of Mirrors, and the red jumpsuits worn by the tethered 
are all reference to Alice in Wonderland. The Hall of Mirrors in particular represents through the looking glass, while the red suits represent the Red Queen, the villain of the story. That's interesting. I could also see a Willy Wonka kind of fucking mm-hmm. comparison yeah. as well, if you ever yeah. want to go I'd there. Yeah, that. Uh, the prologue that takes place in 1986, one of the VCR tapes next to the TV, foreshadows a major plot element of the film. We already mentioned this. One of the movies is Chud from 1984. The title of the movie is about a, is an abbreviation for stands for Cannibalistic Humanoid Underground Dwellers, uh, about a bizarre series of sudden disappearances in the streets of New York City seems to point towards something unsavory living in the sewers, foreshadowing the er- origin of the antagonists of this film, the Tethered, who also live underground. So, yeah, I picked up on that like the first thing when I was even watching this in the theaters, just knowing that he's a horror fan and picking up mm-hmm. on those nuances. But this yeah, time I paused it and I went up closer and I noticed like the Goonies and stuff like that, which I didn't Yeah, notice. I didn't notice that until I found out about it like, couple of years after I watched it, I was like, oh, shit, yeah. It's like the whole plot of the movie, the four VHS tapes that are sitting right there is the plot of the movie. So. Uh, the next point of dialogue kind of speaks on something we already tackled, which is about Red's vocal cords and, like, how they weren't used for a while and why she's, like, you know, uh, forced to speak when she's back at the top because she does know how to speak, but she hasn't spoken to anybody in a while, so it's it adds to that fatigue for her um, vocal cords. Um... It's not really much else here that I say. Uh, oh, the Hands Across America shirt was worn. Uh, most Americans who lived through it were relatively minor and uh, forgettable moment for them. It loomed large in Adelaide's memory as one of the last pop culture references that she knew of, like we mentioned, before her imprisonment. So it was like really big on her mind. It became a driving force of like, how do I do this? Uh, yeah, that last thing I remember from TV was people just getting together to join hands. Um during Red's monologue to Ed Adelaide in the underground classroom, she ends with, now it's our time, now it's our time up there, which is a reference to Goonies uh, from... Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, Mikey says it. Actually, yeah. Mikey says it also. I thought, um, what's his name's character says it as well. Charlie, um, what's his Sean name? Uh, Hames' character. No, F- uh, Feldman's character. I thought Corey Feldman, yeah. yeah. Corey Feldman's character, I thought, said it. Now it's our time. Um, but yeah, it's 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 speaking on that monologue. Oh, and, Sean Aston, he said that. Was it Sean Aston? Okay, yeah. I wasn't sure. I thought it because there was that moment where where Feldman's character takes the coin back from the well, as and they're like, "You can't take a wish back," and he's like, "I'm taking it back. I'm taking them all back. They're all, you know." They know oh they're yeah, like, he, di- he dives in there and grabs all. Yeah, he's like, I'm taking the them all. Back. Yeah. Fuck this! It doesn't work. Uh, there are a few other clues that Adelaide Adelaide is actually one of the tethered. Uh, when Zora kills Umbra, she comforts her as as she is dying, um, which we saw. Um, when Jason manages to, to make Pluto kill himself, she screams no, which he does. I also took that as just sort of like the mother in her as well, too. Like, just not wanting to, even though they're enemies, like, it's still a child in your eyes. And she saw them as a child. So I never took it as like she saw them as her child necessarily. But like, no, they're a variation of her child. So I, it could speak on all of that. Um yeah, and as she she wanted him to be safe. So when she kills Red and she kills off uh Dahlia? Which one's Dahlia? Um Oh, is that the uh, girl that the... dies in the tree? Is that isn't no, isn't she one of the twins? Isn't Dahlia I guess one so, of the yeah. twins? She's, she joyously oh. laughs in the same in the same feral growth uh as the tethered, so and growl. I'm sorry. So uh she was yeah, growl- she growls, yes. yeah. Okay. So that makes sense. Oh no, Del Dahlia was kitty kitty. Oh, okay, okay. Oh. Uh, Red mentions God in two occasions 
this is an indication that Red is the real Adelaide who would have learned about God prior to her abduction. Whereas totally true. Yeah, who have no language likely would not comprehend the concept of God. The only doppelganger that Adelaide actively seeks out to kill is her own, despite her her whole family being in danger, possibly to avoid being responsible for the, the destruction of a fellow doppelganger. She's alone with her daughter's doppelganger. And instead of killing her off, she just gently says, shush, shush, and lets her die. She tries to convince her son's doppelganger to not walk into the fire. The only doppelganger she kills other than her own is one of the twins. That could be because the twin posed a threat against her her ultimately, and she only sought to kill Red, which would remain the only Adelaide. So, you know, it was just like a means to an end. She had to kill the twin because she came up to her. So uh, that's really it for trivia. So trivia is pretty interesting. Jacqueline gives it a nine. Everybody else gives it perfect except for me. Um, <laughs> I don't feel so bad that Jacqueline has a nine then, but I could see with, with more viewings of this film, I could see my, my score raising a little bit higher. I think it's going to just saying Same. that it's my least favorite peel film doesn't make it a bad film at all. No, so of course. Better than a large majority of other films. I haven't given a perfect 10 to any of his films, to be honest, but is it, this one is the only one I would get. A I perfect, give it 9.5 to get out. Hmm. I, you know, I, yeah, I'd give Get Out a 10 if I watched it again. Like, like if I, as soon as we get done with this, I go watch it, 10. But let me go watch Us again. I don't know. I, I'm going to watch, rewatch Get Out again because that was, um, I didn't like it as much as this one. Nice. Okay. I could see that. I think that, I do think this one's kind of like entertaining as far as but, like, once I you just get found, going to this I, one, like it's, it's action packed. Like, it's intense. I'm along for the ride more than Get Out. I, maybe, but I think for me, it was just overall the performances and this one just kind of gave me a gut punch of like, holy fucking shit. <laughs> whereas, whereas in Get Out, it was good. Yeah. Like, yeah. don't get me wrong. Get Out is a great, great, great movie. But I just, I think <laughs> this one just kind of hit me a little bit more. You could feel Jordan's love in it. Get Out was great, but this one, I feel like I'm watching something through Jordan's eyeballs, whereas Get Out is something I'm watching that Jordan created, if that makes any sense. It does, but I I think Daniel Kaluuya is exactly what Lupita Nyong'o is. I mean, oh, I, don't think movie, he's a, I don't think he's as good. Film, you know, <laughs> no. really? Oh, he's, man. He's awesome. And I'm not no, saying he's, he's, I think incredible. he's better in no than he is in Get Out, to be honest. I disagree. I, I, think, he's, <laughs> I think he's so much better in I think he Get delivers out. more just with his eyes in, in Nope than he even does. Like, he, there's a good bit of acting where he doesn't have to actually speak. And I think that's yeah. as far as just his well, act, cause not Not too many actors can do that. Yeah, but he's, he's the same in Get Out. I mean, it, like, he just feels... Well, just, yeah, yeah. Maybe Speak less about like memorizing lines and more about just like how I'm going to feel on the set and like what, you know, he does the whole thing. Like he uses his eyes. He says it like, I'm not going to speak as much. I'm going to use my eyes. I'm going to just like vocalize with my, my facial. Features. You're talking about nope, right? Well, that's, that's where he speaks on that. But I feel like obviously that's obviously the, his acting, like his way of acting in general. His, yeah. His expressions are, are, are so yeah. good. So his expressions know. are good. I just find his range to be more limited. Whereas her range playing the, the crazy opposite of what she had to do in that one film only. 
Yeah. It just it knocked my that. socks off. It it yeah, was like watching Tony Collette in Hereditary, right? Like yes, watch, exactly. It, it's like yeah. a gut punch because you're like, how does someone? You just you feel you feel what they're feeling. I don't yeah. feel that same connection with Daniel Kaluuya, even though he is an amazing actor. Yeah, and and yeah, and, and she does dual roles, so. You know, Tony Collette in Hereditary is absolutely like a great comparison, but she does this. You know, Both of them not nominated for anything. I know. Yeah. Ugh. yeah. Terrible. That's, that's why we don't we don't focus on the Oscars and respect. Fuck you, Academy Awards. We have some real films here, whether they're in the horror genre or not. <laughs> doing real, they're making people think. They're they're eliciting uh, emotions, which is what you want. Right. You know, drama. Take a film right. like Hereditary, which is a family drama with, uh, you know, a crazy thing going on in it. But I don't know. I think this film does a good like I think Get Out's really good. I think this film does a cool thing with the family dynamic, though, that we didn't get from Get Out. And I think I think Lupita was the perfect actress to she threw a lot of herself into this. I don't think anybody else would have developed this character the way she did. Well, like you said, with the nuance of like creating like an unspoken language uh, she's fucking awesome in this way movie, to verbalize man. oh my god these characters from one another even though they come from similar things because there's a similarity between each of each of them like i feel like you could get lost in that but like she does just enough on each side each performance to give them both their own sort of personality even though they're sort of cut from the same cloth sure. they're like they're it's they're opposite ends of the same coin right in this movie mm-hmm. these mm-hmm. doppelgangers so so Anya, what are you working on for your next podcast? I'm I'm curious. Oh, um, Hyderberg, we might have t- touched upon this as an example of something we were going to do at one point. So my apologies, but I did. Uh, Maniac. No, the thing and the thing. So a comparing contrast of the two. So I did. Oh, no, I did. Eighty two. The prequel. So yes. I did a podcast on Circle of Jerks where we covered the uh, ma- the original, the thing from another world. And then we okay. did covered Carpenter's thing. And then as a bonus thing, I also watched 2011s just to have some notes on that, just mm-hmm. to have a little bit extra. So I'm I'm kind of glad that you did that. I'm I'm curious to hear that how that comes. Um because the thing for me is one of my favorite all-time I know art. it is. And yeah. I know that your taste of horror is a little different than mine. Um you've also experience horror at a later age like you kind of got wrapped up into it at, as you got older and you oh no 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 no! i've been watching horror since i oh, was you seven. Okay. i, <laughs> I, I could have sworn i thought i remember you saying that one time when you kind of got like more into it as an adult than you did as a kid different horror like you carry um, a little less nostalgia if you do that you can see things differently yeah i mean i well i watched the thing when I was young and then um and then I watched the the new thing well newer and right, then yeah I, I I I did this th- sorry no I said say less I don't don't spoil anything I want to definitely listen in and I'm and hoping- I want to hear yours too then yes absolutely yeah, I'm hoping that you're uh, high on I don't want to hear you badmouth a thing but if you do I, I'm, I'm ready for it I guess you're not so going to hear, you're not gonna saying, hear a bad mouth of the thing, I promise. I that, so, so what he wants to hear is he wants you to like the old thing rather than the new thing. No, you can like both. I don't care what you like. like. <laughs> have you ever seen oh, the, I was trying to be the, world, the original? I have not. Check it out. I've only seen it the once recently for that coverage, but... Yeah, the the guest I had on it, um, he has seen it. And I think he owns it actually, and he kind of pulled a little bit 
yeah from it as it's well style film and they but you can see that they do a lot with a little bit in that mm -hmm. and you can see some of the elements that that uh carpenter used it's just interesting to see this like original thought process and like where they went with the 1982 movie and you're sort of like damn that's that's <laughs> definitely off script a little bit but at the same time it's it is on topic it's just like a, a bigger budget right uh, yeah, next week yeah next week for us i think we're going a little exactly. different huh? okay. it is we're going a musical are you ready for this buddy no but this is like let, the horror music let, right? let's do the time warp again we're doing it we're going to be covering rocky horror picture show from what 1977 i think i don't know 1800 oh. i have no idea i had it queued up here and john you and i just have the same opinions of movies. your reaction right now i get <laughs> 1975 so this is kind of a blind spot for me so i'm sort of <laughs> excited to finally just check it off the list this is something that this podcast does for me sometimes it allows me to you haven't seen rocky horror no oh, really like oh my god of it and i've heard you know i've seen it <laughs> throughout pop culture i remember my brother going to like showings of this at like a big time theater somewhere when i was young because he was like a teenager in the 80s where people would show up to these events you know do oh, grab out your toilet paper and when he says great scott you throw the toilet paper at your tv so. yeah, and every time he says bader no master you say bader blah 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 blah, blah. oh that's right <laughs> and so i didn't grow up but i didn't know any of that but i forgot about that <laughs> i honestly this i will be shocked if you give this one a really super high review based on your stuff but who knows I, I think I need, I need to be high to watch this movie. So, Anya, I agree. <laughs> I'll get me out. This is, this is like the like horror musical. So I kind of want to like I want to watch it with open arms and kind of I might watch it twice if I if I can this week. I have some other things going on podcast wise, but yeah. Um, I I hope not. Um, let's do the time warp again. I've Talk never to say about that. All right. <laughs> uh, so. She gets it. Um, if they wanted to find us online, um, where could sure. they find us, John? Uh, that would actually be a cut above colon horror review on our Facebook page. But I want to go over to Anya. Anya, where can they find you? Um, Instagram, A N Y A, period, G O R R E, Anya Gore. And I have a whole bunch of links there for all of my stuff or horror more with Anya Gore on Google and you'll find my podcast. Check her on out. Me, right? check, check out. Yeah. Check out all her socials, her links, Patreon and the podcast. It's great. It's a great listen. It's a great watch. And, and this face of horror contest is coming back up. So true. let's get oh, some votes shit. in there for your girl. <laughs> so I'm going to get girl. spammed. Hey, John, don't forget to vote. <laughs> Every day for like three months. <laughs> uh, yeah, spam me. Spam me. That's, I, I, don't, I, don't, I just need to be reminded to do it. It's my the buddy, only way you can get any votes yeah, or my have buddy's people doing pay. Something similar right now. He's like, he's like trying to like win this rap contest that's structured similar. And like mm -hmm. he's sending out the same thing where like I can send a free uh, Facebook vote every day. But mm -hmm. I need to be reminded to do yeah. it. So I'll do it. You know, I'll, I'll do it for free. I may not give you the ten dollar vote every time because I'm not, you know, made of money. But no, don't pay. Just do yeah. the free one. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you have the money to pay, pay. But sure. Yeah. Know, it helps there in certain moments of the competition where you get like double votes and shit. So yeah, Anya, I, we I just want to win it. Do you know what what you win? 
You get like this one. You get like a spot in like a short film or something, right? Or kind of that. That stuff is fine. Whatever. You get to go stay at Buffalo Bill's house, and you get to do a photo shoot with Kane Hodder. Those are two things I need to win. Yeah, the cash would be great, and like you could achieve those things without a competition, just based on Anya. Spam me every single day. I don't give a shit. We'll vote. Both Heisenberg, Jacqueline, and I will will we'll all vote for you. Just spam us. Okay. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, In the meantime, also, if you wanted to catch us on Instagram, you could catch us at a cut above one word dot horror underscore review. And you can catch us on Twitter at a cut above. Uh, I'm sorry. A cut above horror. It's yeah. X we're on X now. by the way. Oh, X, it's X. Yeah. Uh, also, yeah, by the way, any emails, the- not that anybody does, but we do get a, an email here and there. You can catch us at a cut above horror uh, at gmail.com. And make sure that you give us the five-star ratings on iTunes and Spotify. If you want to give us a review, you can do that on iTunes. Give Anya the five-star review and rating on uh, Horror and More with Anya Moore. So there we go. Definitely check it out. So check us out next week when we'll be covering the Rocky Horror Picture Show from 1975. It's Jacqueline's pick. He's going to make us all watch a musical. Um, it's going to be a rockabilly good time. I think Billy might come in here. Yeah. What's going on? Let's do the time warp again. Again. Let's do the time warp. And remember <laughs> to keep it creepy. <laughs>